Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are now listening to the Cast, the number one old-school RuneScape podcast featuring guests from all across Gellinor. To support this podcast, visit the Patreon link in the description. All right, welcome to the Sebe cast number 133 with Porygon Z. Porygon, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I feel blessed to have the opportunity to talk with you on this podcast. I, I follow pretty closely along with the with the Sebe cast. Uh, so yeah, I feel blessed to, to be able to speak with you. I well, I'm really excited for this one. You you had reached out to me, and Jen. I mean, seriously, when I when I saw your message, it just seemed like you have a lot of passion for the game. You have a lot of things that a lot of people are actually interested in. One of the one of those things that you mentioned, and we'll get into it, obviously, is just people getting into PVM. Like, how do you even start, especially if you're a beginner? And, yeah, and yeah. so. Yeah, so I I actually run a PVM clan called Precision PVM that focuses on teaching PVM, and we are PVM at all level all levels. So we uh, we teach people anywhere from barrels gloves up through uh, getting your Zuck helm. We cover every aspect of of PVM learning within that spectrum. So, um, and I, I'm a I'm a former We Do Raids mentor as well, um, and I, I helped develop the Tombs of a Masket mentoring meta over in the We Do Raids server. So. I have a couple of years experience like really teaching people how to get into end game PVM. So yeah, excited to get into it. Okay. And for those listening, there is a little outline that I uh, asked my guest to <laughs> kind of formulate uh, in like the past week. So we do have a nice little uh, outline and there's some really awesome points. So um, we'll just get it started. Porygon, who are you? Um, so I go by Porygon Z in old school RuneScape. Um, a lot of people know me as Spin Echo. Um, I, uh, I had the name Spin Echo up until pretty recently. I, I saw two scythe splits within a week and was like, I'm gonna treat myself and bust this game future name. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I think I, I mostly covered why it is that I'm relevant to the community. Um, I play a maxed Iron Man. Um, I have 
uh, Master Combat Achievements completed, and I'm uh, just about a, a couple breaths away from, from getting my Zuckhelm on my account. Um, I used to teach Chambers in We Do Raids, and I developed the Tombs of a Masket mentoring meta over there. Um, so I have kind of a wealth of experience in teaching PVM. Um, and a, a little over a year ago, I opened Precision PVM, which is a PVM at all levels clan. Um, we grew from zero members to 450 within three months, um, and I've been maintaining our clan size at about 450 for the last year. Um, yeah, so that's that's who I am. Um, I first started playing old school RuneScape, geez, it must have been like 2006. Um, my I have three younger brothers. Um, the second youngest one, who I'm going to call I'm a Silly Pig, because that's his uh, old RuneScape username, uh, found RuneScape on Miniclip. Um, and we used to just sit around the family computer together and, like, watch each other play games. Um, and I was making fun of him for it. <laughs> it's like, that game looks super boring. You're just sitting there clicking like clicking a tree all day. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> and he was like, you need to try this. Like, just give it a shot. Um, so I made an account, and uh, here I am. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Do, now, now, do they still play? Um, actually, yeah. So all three of my brothers have played at some point or another. Um, my second youngest brother has stopped playing at this point. My youngest brother is a maxed grandmaster in old school RuneScape, and he's in Precision as well. He runs a lot of teaching events for us. Um, the brother who got me into uh, RuneScape, I'm a Silly Pig, stopped playing about a year ago now because his career IRL really took off. Um so I also play with my wife, IRL. She plays a maxed Iron Man. Um, and we, we have a bunch of other IRL friends who play too. So it's it's really just the crew of homies. Um, we, we hang out together, drink beer, and, and play RuneScape. It's, I, I live a very fortunate life in that respect. That is so cool. I've actually never met a person in real life besides like, I guess the content creators that I met up with a few months ago, but like just finding a random person that has a maxed RuneScape account is so rare. So that is right. really cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, I, I play a maxed Iron Man and I have only ever really played Iron Man on old school RuneScape. Um, when I played as a kid, I, man, my, my 2007 account, the stats are fucked, man. Like the skills that I liked 99 or above. So I have like 16 or 17 99s and all of the other skills are like mid sixties. <laughs> like just i just marched to the beat of my own drum um and, and i i liked to like get my own stuff when i was a kid um i remember there was like six months where santa hats were were only th like 30 million gold at that point in time um and i chopped maple logs the entire way like you know at sold selling them for 100 gp each until i could afford a 30 million gold santa hat <laughs> and that was really cool because when i finished it i was like 93 wood cutting or something and skill capes came out the next week and i was like all right bet we go on <laughs> oh that is so cool um so when i started on old school uh actually my younger brother i'm a silly pig was talking about uh mr mammal's youtube series and he was like, I don't even play this game anymore, but I just like like the videos. You should check them out. So I started watching Mr. Mammal, um, and then I found Guides for Us All, and he was just starting his Collection Log Completionist series. And I was like, man, that looks like so much fun. Like, if and, and, and if he can do it, like, I can probably do that too. Like, I should just make an account. Um, so I just, on a whim, made an old-school RuneScape account. Um, and two years later, I had a maxed iron. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I go hard, man. <laughs> so were you like, uh, I just need to ask this, because when I first started old school, the first couple of days were pretty rough getting into it. But then all of a sudden something clicked and I was just insta addicted. Um, I had watched like enough YouTube videos that like I knew what the early game Iron Man was supposed to look like. Mm. So, um, yeah, I got like I got like I, I stole a whole bunch of cakes and then ran laps until I had like 50 agility. And then I put myself in winter taught until I was 99 fire making. Like from the day I made this account, <laughs> I was like, I am going to max this shit. Like, let's go. That um, is so cool. And it it kind of just took off from there. I, I made the account in August and New Year's Eve um, of this was New Year's Eve of 2020. Um, I, I had 99 fire making and I got 99 fishing, thieving and cooking all at once on New Year's Eve. Um, like, <laughs> um, in my defense, I was, um, I, I was finishing a PhD at the time and I was, uh, writing my dissertation full time. So like all of the time during the, the work hours, I wasn't required to be at work. And my job was just to sit there and like think all day and write, um, so having like this really nice linear progression where, you know, if I sit down to write for five hours, I come out with five hours worth of linear XP, um, like really helped ground me while I was struggling with my my research and, and writing my dissertation. Mm. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I, I But I've, I've kind of always been like this, like aspirational goals are like the thing that get me up uh, out of bed in the morning. Um, and I, I've alluded to, finishing a, a PhD already. My my bachelor's is in bioengineering and my PhD is in uh, biophysics. Um, I wrote computer algorithms to find prostate cancer on MRIs, um, which was super, super cool. Um, and I, it was one of those things like I, when I hear about something that sounds super difficult, like so hard that you're like, that's scary. I don't know if I can do it. Like that just gets me excited. And I'm like, I'm gonna do it now. Um, <laughs> And, and, and so there's kind of a, a pattern in my life where I set these huge aspirational goals um, and, and I'm like, all right, let's go chase it down. I'm going to do it. Um, so like throughout the course of, of my PhD, um, and, and grad school is miserable. Uh, if anybody's thinking about doing a PhD, don't do it. <laughs> um, but I, I was having a lot of trouble like coping with the pressure of, of academia because it's it's all like so the day-to-day -day job doing research is boring and like really not that difficult but it's like you need to come up with new novel ideas that push the boundaries of like human knowledge and if you can't do that you're not good enough so it like you have this existential dread that is creeping in all the time and you're comparing yourself to other people um and and always feeling like you're not good enough especially as a trainee because the people around you have been doing this for like 20 fucking years of course they're better than you um, so I, I put on an enormous amount of weight really rapidly in grad school because I, I was having a lot of trouble like coping with uh, the newfound like stress and pressure. Um, and about three years into grad school, I was like, nah, we're done with this shit. Um, and overnight I was like, all right, I don't eat meat or processed foods anymore and I'm losing all of this weight. And so that was kind of my second big aspirational life goal. Um, over the next 18 months, I lost over a hundred pounds and completely changed my life around. Um, that which, is insane. Congrats. Yeah, it was really cool. So I, I, I went from, 
Um, I mean, like, exactly what you picture in an old-school RuneScape player, like, super overweight, like, doesn't take care of himself, <laughs> big-ass neck beard and shit, uh, to an ultra-marathon runner. Um, wow. And, and I did that over the course of about 18 months, and oh, I loved it. I, I, I finished... Um, I finished a couple of marathons. I think I've run nine marathons and four ultra marathons. And my, my longest run was a hundred kilometers, which is 64 miles. I think, um, that took place. So I I ran for 16 hours that day. We started at 8 (laughs) AM and I crossed the finish line at midnight. Um, Jesus Christ, dude. Wait, wait, sorry. What, what is the definition of ultra marathon? Is that just anything over it? So yeah, it's an ultra marathon is any race that is longer than the distance of a marathon, but it's, it, it's a little more nuanced than that because when you go from a, so a marathon is usually a road race and the goal is to go as fast as you can. Hmm. Um, so like you select course, like you'll, you'll select courses and stuff that are interesting, but also relatively flat. And when you go past the marathon distance, you're usually looking uh, at trail races. So you're in the mountains, you know, maybe in the middle of nowhere. There's almost no aid. You're completely alone for the entire time that you're out there. So, like, I think my fastest marathon finish was like three and a half or so hours. Um, But my fastest 50K, which is only five miles longer, uh, is over an hour longer. Um, because those are all run on on trails, mm. um, very hilly, mountainous terrains, and like you're carrying a carrying a pack with water because there's usually like ten miles or something in between aid stations. Um, yeah, that was that was wild. Um, my my hundred k was in Des Moines, Iowa, um, and my wife and my best friend, who is also staff in Precision at this point. Um, were were my crew. Um, it was three 20-mile loops through this really hilly part of Iowa. Um, Des Moines is the only part of Iowa that actually isn't fucking flat. Um, and the course flooded the night before the race. Oh, um, so, yeah, so we, we got to the starting line, and I was like, yo, are you guys, like, redrawing the course? And they're like, nut up. <laughs> You're an ultra-marathon runner. Get over it. Um, so it, on each of these 20-mile loops, there was four sections that were about a quarter mile long where the water was up to your waist, um, which was just nuts. Um, and like, it, it, it was fun for the first lap. Like I, I had, I had trained really, really hard for this race. Um, but by the third lap, like it's fucking eight o'clock at night. I have been running for 12 hours. It's dark outside. Like, and now I have to traipse through this like pit of water up to my waist. Oh like, my, God. Uh, my friend, um, Nuka Princess, who is, uh, that's her RuneScape name, but she's an ultra marathon runner IRL as well. Like, so she was fresh and she was pacing me for the first part of this lap. Um, and she just like went into steamroller mode and I grabbed the back of her shirt. She's like dragging me through this pit of water. <laughs> <laughs> and then she slipped into some mud and like both of us are like you know over our heads in this water it was oh my god it was so much fun <laughs> that is nuts dude and this is just how i live my life man <laughs> um so I I, I I take this same approach to like aspirational goals and i apply it to runescape too so like when I say I made this RuneScape account and from day one, I was like, I'm maxing this Iron Man. I fucking meant it. Like we're going to go hard and we're going to make it happen. And I, I really enjoyed the process of, of maxing my Iron Man. Um, I took a pretty weird path as I was maxing um, because I, I was afraid of PVM for such a long time. 
I, I knew that I was going to be bad at it, and I didn't want to be doing something I was bad at in suboptimal gear without max stats. So I was like, I'm going to be interested in PVM at some point, but I'm going to max first, get all my stats up, and then I'm going to follow like a linear gear progression um, so that like I can ease myself into all of the hard stuff that I was afraid of. Um, and that was kind of how, like, and that worked out really nicely for me. I, I um, yeah, it, it was a weird path, but um, the, the week that I maxed uh, was the same week that Combat Achievements came out, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Um, because, you know, there's the next aspirational goal. Yep. Like, can I, can I turn this around and, and get a Zuckhelm? So, um, right after I maxed, um, I turned around and I was like, uh, the Bofa had just come out at that point. I locked myself in the gauntlet and then I was like, we're going to get a Bofa. We're getting an Infernal Cape and we're starting our combat achievements. Like, let's go. Um, that was like two years ago now. Um, it's, uh, it's taken me a while um, to to finish my combat achievements, both because I had no gear when I started, I had no PVM experience, um, and I do shit like teach and we do raids and open a clan, so like a lot of the time that I'm spending on the game isn't like focused sessions working on trying to get better, it's uh, dealing with interpersonal issues within my community, um, and like teaching people how to how to do PVM, so I, I'm, I'm very near the end of my goal here. Um, I'm, I'm missing a scythe. I've got, I think, 750 Tob KC at this point, and I have less than 10 tasks left, and they're, for the most part, Tob speeds that I don't want to have to ask for or buy carries for. I, I want to get the scythe and earn it myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> Damn. So, let me ask, when, so as soon as you had maxed, what, was it really in your head right then to get a Zuck helmet? You're just gonna, you were gonna build up to a Zuck helmet, because that is from no pvm experience to even just thinking that's even achievable is insane to me i didn't think it was achievable and that's the thing it looked so hard that it scared me and that's when i knew i was gonna fucking do it <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome mindset how did you get this mindset has, um have you have you always been this way yeah like i so growing up um my while well, i was when i was a kid my my dad's a firefighter and um my mom was a stay-at-home mom um, and my dad was a, my dad was a grinder. He worked his ass off. He, he worked two firefighting jobs. So he would do back to back 24 hour shifts and then he would be off for 24 hours. Um, so, and he did this for 15 years, like almost without breaks. So like from a very young age, I saw what it was like, um, to, to grind for something that you wanted and, and get it. And my dad loves his job. He's so good at it. It, it, like, I have never seen somebody so fulfilled by their career, um, and on the flip side, my, my mom was super, super unhealthy when I was growing up. She, um, she was really overweight and unhappy and felt overwhelmed by her life. And when I was 12, she was like, nah, fuck this shit. Um, and lost a hundred pounds, ran a marathon and, and went back to college and, and totally changed her life. Um, so my mom started her career at like 45 as an occupational therapist and like, yeah, she's, she's, she's really made a name for herself. So wow. Um, it, it was, it was the environment that I grew up in where like I came from a, a not very wealthy blue collar family, um, who thought that the harder you worked, the farther you got in life. And, and they led by example growing up. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that now, you know, as a, as a 30 year old, um, that like, I don't know, they, they showed me that I could do anything that I set my mind to, as long as I was willing to endure the suck for long enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that's why I am the way that I am. That's so cool, man.
that's an that's an amazing story as well and three and a half hours for a marathon jesus dude that's so fast yeah i um i got pretty fast towards the end it 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 was really cool like when i when i first started losing weight i because I, I, I ran cross country in high school um, and I, I knew that I wanted to run again, but like I was so overweight that my knees couldn't handle it. So I just started by like biking um, and I, I was self-conscious going to the gym. So I bought an exercise bike and I put it in my apartment and my routine was you come home from work. You are not allowed to sit down until you've done an hour on that exercise bike. And I did it every single day. Um, and I would watch like RuneScape videos and like uh, pokey aim uh, on YouTube. Like those were my guys. Like I, I told myself, like it was a thing that I looked forward to every day. I, I, I liked watching those video series and I wasn't just going to sit there and do nothing um, while I did it. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then eventually I was able to start running again and I, I just really took off because I, I, I knew what I was missing at that point. Um, I, I knew what it felt like to be super overweight and unhealthy. And I, I was really relishing that like feeling of like, like I was in control of my life again. Um, so I, every time I, I got up early and laced up my running shoes, I was genuinely happy and like felt blessed to be in the position that I was in, uh, excited to go out the door and tackle that day's run. That's amazing. Did you ever have days where like you wanted to give up or like wanted to just slip back into old habits? Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so at, at, at the time while I was while I was losing weight, um, I, I found this community through Reddit. Um, it's a discord server for the lose it server. Um, and, and those were my people. Um, that's actually where I met Nuka Princess, who's now one of my best friends, IRL. And, you know, like I said, uh, staff in, in my clan. Um, and so I would fall back on, on that group when I needed support, like, you know, Hey, I'm having a really shitty day. Like I way over eight, I didn't go out and run and they'd be like, pick yourself back up. You're not done unless you say you're done. You get back out there tomorrow and you go again. And like, I was really touched by, by those times where I was vulnerable and having a moment of weakness. And my friends were around who understood the, the struggles that I was going through and, and were able to pick me back up again. Um, and that, that server is actually uh, how I met my wife, too, uh, funnily enough. Um, when I, when I've, been, I've been running that server for probably six months, um, and new lady joins, and, like, she's funny, and she's brilliant. Um, and while we're, like, just, like, we clicked instantly and just, like, are talking about running and stuff. Like, I think at the time I was training for my first ultra marathon, and she was nearing the end of her weight loss journey, too. She had lost... 45 pounds or something on a 5-2 frame so like she made a really big life change too um and yeah we'd swap running stories and like gas each other up like you got this like how far are we running today and and all that stuff and then one day she posted a picture uh from one of her runs and being uh as socially inept as i am i was like holy shit i know that trail um <laughs> which you know in hindsight this is not something you say to a woman on the internet like <laughs> I'm very fortunate that this worked out for me. Um, and and oh she was cool with it. She was, she was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, uh, that's this particular trail. Um, and I was like, dude, I, I grew up there. Like I live 90 minutes North of there. And like, uh, that's where my, my high school cross country course was on that trail. Uh, and she was like, cool. When are you going to be home next? Like, let's meet up for coffee. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So that's how I met my wife. She, uh, she actually was the one who, who suggested the first date. Um, it, and we were we were close friends for a long time after that. We we met up and and had coffee or 
uh, you know, did stuff together, like just as friends every time I came home for, I want to say the last three years of, of my PhD. And um, the day I defended my dissertation was, um, it, it was the, the height of the pandemic. So it fucking sucked. Like it was virtual. So I, I worked for five and a half years putting together this huge research program. Um, and, and then I couldn't even defend it at, like in person and in front of my department. And I don't know, have a, have a moment that was about me. I defended it in, uh, in the attic of my, <laughs> of my apartment, like, oh, you know, in the, the, the very upper level, it was awful. Um, and, and Maya got in her car and, and drove 90 minutes North to where I lived. Um, and I ordered pizza, um, from somewhere 1600 miles away. <laughs> So we ordered pizza again, this time in the state we were in. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just like, that's that's the kind of relationship that, that we have. Um, she, she's like, I don't know, we're, we're perfect together. I'm, I'm so fortunate to, to have found her. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing, so, man. So so this is now May of 2020. And I, I had finished my PhD. I moved home. I, at this point, I had... I had taken a job in Canada, so I was going to move from Chicago to Canada uh, in four months. And I, I moved back home to where Maya lived. Um, and like from the first day, we were like, I, we got to know if this works. Like, we got to know. Um, so we tried it and it really, really worked. Um, but I had already taken a job in Canada. <laughs> so we were like, well, I mean, like, let's risk it. Let's 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 see if this works. Um, and I, I moved up to Canada and she kept, she was a, she's a research scientist at a, um, at a big pharmaceutical company in, in Chicago. Uh, she has a PhD in, in chemical engineering. Um, so we were long distance for eight months and like the borders were totally shut. Um, there, yeah, the, the borders were totally shut. She couldn't come up to see me. We had no idea when anything was going to change. Um, and, and it, it was at this point that Maya started to get really sick, um, her her health took a, a sharp downturn um and she developed a chronic illness that is something along the lines of chronic fatigue syndrome that left her almost bedridden for a couple of years which was heartbreaking to me um and it, it made her like almost unable to do her job anymore so we sat down in i think it was february of 2021 um and we were like okay where like we want this to work where do we want to be in five years and I was like, you know, if you're able to move up here, like, I, I can help take care of you. I can get you back on your feet, and like, we can we can see, like, yeah, I don't know. We, we'll see we'll see where this goes. But the only way to do that was for us to get married. Um, so I, I I flew home to Chicago, and we got married in a courthouse, and then she moved out to Nebraska to live with Nuka Princess for two months to help take care of her, and then I flew back down to Nebraska and drove her up to Canada with me. Wow. Um, I've had a very interesting lunch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Oh, it's been a wild ride. Um, but that, that, that illness is, um, and, and circling back to RuneScape, that, that illness is, is why my wife plays RuneScape too. Um, when, when I moved up to, to Canada, like it, it was the day before I moved up to Canada, I, I woke up in the morning to a screenshot, uh, of her playing RuneScape on mobile. And she was like, <laughs> this is the way that we're going to try to spend time together while, while we're long distance. Was that her first uh, time ever playing? first time ever playing yeah my, my wife is israeli um so she, she didn't grow up in the states like the runescape wasn't popular over there when she was growing up she'd never even heard of it um but she listened to me nerd out about it enough times that she was like yeah i think that i would like this too um so 
that was how we started playing RuneScape together, and sh she took off as well. She's got a maxed Iron Man uh, as well. Jesus. Um, she's a little bit, like, so she's less experienced in, in PBM than I am. She's She's got some decent gear, like, you know, she's got a Lance, she's got her Prims, um, she's got a Twisted Bow now, too. Um, doesn't have an Infernal Cape just yet, but, like, she, you know, she runs CMs with me and stuff, mm -hmm. um, has her Masori kit from Toa, so it... It's really cool that like we've got this gaming setup where uh, her gaming station's a couple feet away from mine, and we've got this standing mic so that when we're gaming with our friends, like both of us can be on voice together, um, and 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 hear everything that's going on. So, yeah, it's a it's a really cool situation we have. That's so sick. <laughs> so, all right, that's probably enough about me as a person for now. Sorry. Um, no, I absolutely love that. It's, seriously, amazing story. It's thank you. Very different for sure but uh inspiring yeah um so i i wanted to i wanted to talk about my pvm progression um because that's relevant to um how i began precision pvm um we we talked about how i had uh i maxed the same week as as cas and and i was like as i was looking through those tasks um i remember looking at the at the elite uh, Dagonoth King tasks and like not even now I'm like all right those are like harder than they probably should be um but I was like that seems impossible I don't know how I'm gonna do that um and and that was my PVM experience I think I had 100 chambers and like my Dagonoth King rings um so I started by learning how to do the corrupted gauntlet um and I, I started like I, I just wanted to go in and, and see if I could get the combat achievements. Can I can I get some KC? I think I did like fifty regular gauntlet and then jumped into the corrupted gauntlet and um it, it kinda came to me faster than I expected it to, which was really interesting. Um and once I got my Bofa, it was around that time that that I got a Kodai wand from from Chambers as well. Um and I was like, All right, it's time. We're locking ourselves in the inferno and, and this is gonna be the next big goal. Um it took me, and I, I'm 100% not ashamed to say this, it, it, it took me two months and 60 attempts to get my Infernal Cape. Um, it was hard. Um, it was really hard. Yep. I, it, the Infernal is, is where I got good at RuneScape. It, it took me from somebody who like could explain to you how to mage skip in chambers and like how, you know talk or like hand wave around how to not take damage in Tecton to like being able to talk about tick by tick what's happening in the game. Um, and I, I, what happened is I, I I was watching YouTube videos that were like meant for people who could already do the Inferno um, because I, I'm a scientist. Like this is how I understand the game. I, I, I'm not rhythm based at all. So I, I kind of have to count ticks um, in, in order to be competent at, at PVM. And um, so I still sometimes have trouble keeping track of like odd cycles like if my weapon and the bosses are on different cycles sometimes i fuck that up still um but yeah i it, it took me a really long time in, in the inferno to to get good enough to be able to actually get the cape i, I think it took me nine zucks um because i get the zuck hands really bad um i don't anymore i i think i have like 20 infernos at this point um and all of the combat achievements done which is which is pretty cool very um, impressive but yeah, I mean, I I know you have a Zuckhelm too. Like it's, <laughs> it's not too much. I mean, of a but fun. I haven't only been playing for just a few years. I've been playing for a long, long time. So just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's I think something that I kind of have to keep in the back of my head sometimes. 
um, that a lot of the people that I like compare myself to have been playing for much, much longer than me. And like, even when they weren't playing old school RuneScape, a lot of these people are, are just gamers and, and we're playing other games. Um, and I'm not like that. I played a lot of competitive Pokemon. Um, I got, I was pretty good at competitive Pokemon, not a, not in the VGC scene, but on, on showdown. Uh, I, I placed well in a couple of tournaments, but that's a turn-based strategy game. It's not anything to do with timing or reaction time. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's been kind of a steep hill for me to climb, to, to get good at RuneScape. And while I'm doing this, my younger brother, uh, Quinn, um, his RSN is, uh, the Quinner. So I just, we're going to call him Quinn, um, is just flying by me. This motherfucker, man, he got two twisted bows in his name in trios with two FFA Ironmen within 50 raids. Like, so he went from like 105 combat with worse gear than me to like fucking maxed gear because he didn't have to split either of those bows. That is nuts. <laughs> and, and Quinn's a gamer. So, um, yeah, Quinn, Quinn passed me up and, and, started learning top and Quinn's a top god at this point. He's so good at RuneScape. Um but he's he's also super humble too. Um and and loves to just teach people and and share his love of the game with people. Um so I've had him as a resource for most of my PVM journey too because um I, I got my infernal cape first, but almost every other achievement on my account um Quinn's done before me. So I I've had a family member who I can call on and and be like hey how do i do this like can you sit in discord and backseat me tell me when i'm being bad and he's like bet let's go um so i've been pretty fortunate in in that respect um as well um and i've had other really strong pvm mentors who have helped me learn along the way um a little bit after i got my infernal cape probably oh, i want to say it was february of 2022 um I, on a whim, applied to be um, a mentor at We Do Raids, and I, I wanted to teach people how to do chambers. Um, and we'll, I'll circle back to that in, in a couple of minutes, um, but teaching people how to do PVM was, at that point, really important to me. And what I didn't realize is that I was going to get put in a chat room with 100 people who are, like, giga-fucking gamers. Um, the We Do Raids staff channel is full of like the best of the best in runescape you know addy khan is in there um rookie was a rookie was a, a top mentor for a little while lord j rays who is like the the god resource for combat achievements um was a, a triple mentor in we do raids and i had access to these people to like ask questions and sometimes they'd laugh at me because my questions were stupid and in hindsight my questions were stupid but um <laughs> they turned around and they would help me too um so I, i've had this really really good a set of resources to to help me along the way and um that's part of the reason why I, I wanted to give back and be able to like help other people have the same kind of resources that i've had access to over the years um i eventually had kind of a falling out with we do raids that again we'll we'll talk about in a little bit um but that was when i decided to open precision um and 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 make my clan and um so at that point i'm running a clan and, and recruiting and teaching people how to do, how to do PVM, um, and, and working on my elite combat achievements as well. Um, and yeah, so while I was in, while I've run precision, I've gotten my elites and my masters done and nearly all of my grandmasters at this point. Um, and we've alluded to the, the fact that I, I run a PVM learner clan. So, um, I, I don't have 
a whole bunch of like giga gamers to like carry me through all these tasks. So almost all of my PVM progression and combat achievements I've done through the Combat Achievement Discord. I'm I'm really active over there. I'm passionate about helping people find resources um to be able to like learn the the techniques to be able to get these combat achievements even if um you know you don't want to join a clan or you don't have a access to the We Do Raid staff uh channel and and stuff like that. So yeah, that's kind of the story of uh how I got good at RuneScape if you will. <laughs> that's it's just really cool it's crazy how fast it can go when you just set your mind to things like that so many people that mm -hmm. i've seen literally just even though they have the desire to get good and get an infernal cape for an ex for example it's just so intimidating and right. when you don't want to fail which is i mean that was me as well when inferno yeah. first came out i was i literally told myself i will never step foot in there when it was first like released and i was watching people fail i was watching wooks fail on twitch i'm like there is just no way i could ever do this so mm -hmm. when you tell yourself that enough you don't do it and then you you know so it's the mindset right. yeah and we have we see a lot of people in precision at this point who like try to get their infernal cape and get frustrated with it because man it fucking blows to get to wave 60 and die to something stupid and then you really i have to start all the way over again but like that's the thing that makes the inferno hard um getting over that like mental barrier to you know pick yourself up off your ass and and you know get a new inventory of pots and go try again totally. um yeah that's that's the thing that makes the inferno hard and if you're willing to go through that grind like I firmly believe that there's nothing in old school RuneScape that isn't accessible to you if you apply that same mindset to whatever the fuck else it is that that you want to get done. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I kind of got a little bit ahead of myself. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about why PVM mentoring is important to me in the first place. Um, and the, the long and the short of it is that my first experience with raids fucking sucked. Um... I, I went with a, I, I was in a social clan at the time, um, and I, I went in, it was a six-man chambers with uh, people who had a couple of hundred KC, but who had really no interest in teaching me. So they, like, helped me gear and then gave me no instruction whatsoever throughout the whole raid. Um, and when we got into Ulm, they were like, you go stand over there on the mage side and you click it with your trident. And then, like, as specials were hitting me, they would be trying to explain what was happening to me while I was dying. Um, and I was like, I, like, I just wasn't having a good time because I, I didn't understand what was going on. I felt like I was holding everybody back. Like, why would anybody ever want to do this? Um, and, and so I, I left raids at that point for, for a while um, until my brother started to raid and he convinced me to, to start going with him again. Um, the person who taught my brother to raid was another maxed Iron Man who um, had some mental health issues, um, to, to put it lightly. He was not a happy person and had very strong opinions about how things were going to go in raids. So my first, from there, 75 or so KC in chambers um, was like feeling like I was like like I was a burden on everybody in the raid. Um, and man, I'm so lucky that they're even like willing to spend time with me and, and let me go on this raid with them. Uh. And that fucking sucked. Like, and, and when I got good at raids, I, I looked back and was like, raids is so much fun. And like, if, if I didn't have like the dedication that I had, I might've just put this game down and, and not come back to it. Um, and I can help other people have a better experience than I did. 
um, and and that was when I, I when I decided I wanted to start teaching raids. Um, and I I I applied to We Do Raids um, to to be a mentor there. And at the time, I was hot fucking garbage um, <laughs> at, at Chambers. I I knew how to get through Deathless Raids, but We Do Raids mentoring is a whole different beast. Um, they chewed me up and spat me out the other side. They um, they were harsh but fair um, as they told me all of the things that I was doing wrong in raids and all of the things that I was telling learners wrong in raids. Um, the structure of a We Do Raids mentor raid is somebody who is a, a full mentor will ping in the, um, I think it's called Waiting for Mentor channel, um, and you ping like, I don't know, 2,000 learners or whatever, however many people have those roles. Um, and you're expected to take one person who has more than 50 KC and then between five and 10 learners. So you're calling a raid that potentially has eight people in it who have never stepped foot in chambers. You've never met these people before. You have no idea what their PVM experience is like, what their gear is like, whether they're going to be able to speak English competently. Um, and you're expected to get them through this raid and teach them the mechanics. Um, and, and that's fucking hard. Um, the trialing process in We Do Raids was really grueling for me. And that was partially my own fault because I didn't realize how in over my head I was when I applied to be a mentor there. Um, the trialing process is you uh, you fill out a, a, a brief questionnaire um, and they get back to you a couple of days later and say, hey, you're going to run a raid for us. We're going to watch you. And as long as you're not a psychopath, we're going to give you a trial mentor raid and then your, your trials start. Um, and thankfully, I'm not a psychopath. Uh, so I was granted trial mentor and I started my trialing process. You have two months to get passes in all 15 rooms. You needed at the time two passes in uh, every single room in chambers. And then you needed three passes in Ulm with two being consecutive. Um, for each room in chambers, they have a list of major points and minor points. And you're expected to go over the major points in order of uh, importance so that these learners, when they go into LFR standard, they're able to competently do the mechanics in a way that doesn't kill their teammates. Um, and if you miss a major point or you talk too slow or you give bad advice, you fail that room. Um, and Ulm was even harder. Um, in Ulm, you're expected to, to run the head and keep track of learners who are both on the mage side and the melee side. Um, you need to watch their HP, and you need to be able to effectively triage your calls as you are trying to help eight monkeys who have never stepped foot in Ulm before um, coordinate as a team. And that's really hard. Um, I, I, I used to get tunnel vision a lot. Um, I would see somebody who was doing something that I didn't like, and I would tunnel on them and be like, hey, so-and-so, you need to do this. Like, get back on your side. So-and-so, get back on your side. So-and-so, get back on your side. And at that point, I've missed a special call, uh, and all 10 learners have taken 30 damage from the crystals. Boom, almost mm -hmm. failed. Try again. Um, and so I believe, when I left We Do Raids, at least, I held uh, the unfortunate title of being the longest trial mentor they've ever had. It took me 27 raids Oh. Um, with people calling and like writing up formal reviews of my raids, critiquing my performance before they were ready to let me take learners on my own. Um, it, it was a 
like I was miserable towards the end of, of my trial process. There was, there was a raid, um, way, it was like my second to last raid I did as a trial mentor. And I think I needed to pass it like fucking guardians or something just because I was, I, I didn't scout guardians a lot. Um, and the trial mentor or the trialist in, in that raid, um, failed me at guardians 26 raids in because I failed to tell the learners not to spec with their pickaxes. Nobody spec'd with their pickaxes. Oh. Like, that's how strict their criteria was. It's grueling. Um, but I am, to this day, able to coordinate a team of people who have never done content together at varying experience and PVM abilities and get them through a Chambers of Zarek or a Tob or a Tombs of a Masket. Um, not deathless, but unscathed and feeling like they've had a good time. Um, and it's entirely because of the time and energy that the staff in We Do Raids put into my development as a PVMer um, that that I'm able to do this. And I've turned around and taught probably 20 different people at this point how to do that too. Um, and, and that's what we have in Precision. Um, these are all people who, who have gone through kind of a... It, we modeled it off of We Do Raids uh, and their trialing system at first. Um, and I, I, I was actually one of the guys who... Um, developed the Tombs of a Masket mentoring meta. So, um, yeah, I guess we can talk about that, too. That was super cool. I was, I was a We Do Raids mentor when, when Toa came out, and, and Precision had probably 200 people at the time. Um, and, and right away from the beginning, I was like, man, I, I, I want to I help develop the mentoring meta for this. I, I want to write the document that we give to trialists um, that says how you're supposed to teach Tombs of a Masket. Um, and so within probably four days of Tombs of a Masket coming out, I ran my first learner raid at a, at a 150 raid level. <laughs> I think I still have the recording somewhere. It was a fucking disaster. It was really bad. <laughs> um, but I, I, I teamed up with uh, a couple of really, really good gamers from We Do Raids to, to start uh, making this document. Um, IO was involved for the first month or so. Uh, Lord J-Rays was um, one of the first people who was involved. I got Gridlock out of retirement. He was uh, an old school, like from five years ago, probably, uh, OG Chambers mentor. Um, and together, the, the three of us would sit down and talk about the things that were happening in our learner raids, um, the things that were going right and going wrong. How do we coordinate the learners? What should their roles be in the tombs of a masket? What's our room order? Um, what order do they take the supplies in, um, all of that stuff so that, uh, we could start getting learners through a 150 level raid, um, deathless and, and precision PVM was the training grounds for this. Um, for the first probably two months after TOA came out, Gridlock and I were running three sets of two learner raids a week, um, with people in precision. Cause we had two or three hundred members at that point and the, the raid was new nobody knew how to do it so everybody was coming to our learner raids uh to, to try to figure this content out um and we started to get pushback uh from the we do raid staff at that point um the both the moderators and uh, a lot of the top mentors over there on uh, the top mentors are like the guys who have zuck helms the the chambers mentors are the guys like me who who uh think they're good at pvm and <laughs> <laughs> and those guys were were like the indication system makes it so that anybody can walk into this raid and get themselves through a raid by themselves we don't need a mentoring meta for this um and i was like for one thing fuck you um and secondly um like that's true but 
Tombs of a Masket was like a it was like a breeding ground for good PVM mechanics. There was so much that you could teach somebody new at PVM about how combat interactions work using the Tombs of a Masket. And if you can get these guys in and learning Tombs, it's going to just like be an accelerant for their development as PVMers. Um, and that wasn't a particularly effective argument in We Do Raids because the the way that We Do Raids mentors PVMers and the way that Precision mentors learners um, is fundamentally different. In, in We Do Raids, the goal is to teach people the mechanics of the raids so that they can go into LFR standard and not die um, or, or, or not kill their teammates. Um, and it's kind of it kind of needs to be like that. Like that's that's not at all a, a dig on on we do raids because they have so many learners, so many people coming to them looking to learn chambers, um, that we need to be fast and efficient and run big ass raids, so that we can help as many people as we possibly can, um, and, and and get them up and running. And then from there, they they need to be able to teach themselves, join a PVM clan or whatever. Um, and it's not like that in precision because. We're a much longer-term group. People come to us not knowing how to do any PVM, and will often stick with us through master combat achievements. Um, and and so they're learners with us at every step along the way of their PVM journey. So having a, a mentoring meta that not only focuses on how do you not grief raids, but building in like the pillars of PVM. Um, makes for a fundamentally different mentoring experience than than what we see in We Do Raids. And so this is the kind of thing that I was arguing for in We Do Raids. Um, and they, I think rightly so, were, were pushing back on that because it, it's just not what they're, not what they're about. Um, eventually, I was able to demonstrate enough of a need for the Tombs of a Masket mentoring. Um, and, and thankfully, J-Rays was on my side. He's Jerry's is something else. He's he's helped me enormously um, at, during my my own PVM journey, but having somebody with that much weight backing me up um, really helped us to to get the mentoring meta off the ground. And and we did. We launched with five tombs of a masket mentors and started teaching and recruiting new mentors right away. Um, it was shortly after I got the tombs of a masket mentoring tag in We Do Raids that I decided it was time for me to put it down. Um, at that point, Precision was really taking off and I was really invested over there. Um, and I was having some conflicts with. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, some of the mods over there, they, they were making some decisions that 
um, I didn't personally agree with, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cushion that with um, often when the mods over there made decisions that I didn't agree with, um, it was because they were acting on information that I was unaware of, and um, if I could get them to give me that information, I understood and was able to see where they were coming from. Um, but within a month of launching the Tombs of a Masket Mentoring, um, they had pushed three of our five mentors out. And I had three trialists at the same time. So I, I was running trials all the time. Um, and, and it was hard. The the people's first Tombs mentoring session, often the raid was like 90 minutes long. Like, that's, that's my whole fucking afternoon after I get off work. And it's exhausting. And then I need to give verbal feedback and write up a, a, a write-up about it. Um, and then turn around and, and go and run a clan. Like, it was exhausting. And the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me um, was when they were... The, we have a we had a quota in as mentors over there. You have to teach X amount of raids every month, um, in in order to keep your mentor tag. And they were they upped the quota if you had two mentoring tags. So I was a chambers mentor and a tombs mentor, and they were like your trial raids no longer count as mentor raids. They no longer count towards quota. Um, so we have two tombs mentors, three trialists, and I need to teach six raids minimum on my own in addition to growing and expanding this team and I, I i said something in one of the one of the channels that i was like man this like this is not fair like i can't do this and run my clan at the same time and they're like i mean you did it to yourself you can just give up one of your tags and you'll have uh more time for the other one and i was like that's a great idea and i resigned and i was done uh walked away from we do raids and i've not really looked back since um i I don't really want to end on a sour note with WDR because I think that the service that they provide is really valuable to the community um, and they're hard asses about it because they have such high traffic that they need to be. Um, it's still a, a solid place to learn how to PVM, um, at least learn how to get through chambers deathless, uh, tombs deathless if you don't have friends or a clan. Um, but yeah, it, it got to be too much for me. Um, I still keep in contact with some of those guys. Um, J-Rays joined Precision a couple of months ago, um, and I have I have a, a whole bunch of uh, former WDR mentors who teach for me in Precision now uh, as well. So I, I still keep in contact with the community, but I've been almost entirely inactive um, in, in the server since I decided to leave. That was, I don't know, six months ago or so. So for those, uh, this is just kind of like off topic, but for those that are are looking to learn raids and have zero experience is we do raids or precision are these free resources for these people yeah. to use or is it a paid yeah. service no we do raids is a volunteer service i don't get okay. paid for my time there um there was like I, you could call them perks if you will um i had i had amassed a bunch of split money and i had a twisted bow on my iron man at at, at that point I was sending 10-man raids where, like, everybody around me was dying left and right, so I was getting the majority of the points. Um, so I've finished my chambers log outside of the pet at this point, um, and largely in part due to uh, we do raids. Mm. Um, precision is also completely free. Um, that Most PVM clans are, are like this. Most PVM clans will... Most established PVM clans will have some form of mentorship program. Um, and people who are looking to get into PVM, I, I would recommend you check out a We Do Raids Mentor Raid. Um, but if you want to truly enjoy getting good at PVM, joining a PVM clan is 100% the way to go. 
Um, if you are a nice person, you're able to get on with others and listen and take direction well and say thank you for your time when you're done. You're going to find an abundance of people, not just in precision, but all over RuneScape within these clans who are going to take an interest in your development as a PVMer and, and help you. Um, and they don't ask for anything in return but that thank you. And in precision, I, I ask people to, to turn around and help the next generation of PVMers. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I would get into PVM. Um, if if I had to start all over again, I would join a clan. Um, I would join a clan, and I would say please and thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> um, so I I've alluded to or, or or talked a little bit about precision PVM thus far, um, and I I wanted to talk about how precision came to be. Um, clans have always been like an important part of RuneScape for me. Um, I, from, I think a week after I made my Iron Man, I've, I've been in some clan or another, um, some good, some bad. Um, and we were in, uh, we were in this clan who I, I think I'm going to leave them nameless, um, for, for about a year and a half. And they're, they were good people and they cared. Um, but the people who ran the clan had no like IRL leadership skills, um, so they didn't know how to communicate effectively or lead a group of people, um, make people feel included. And, and like, they, I don't think that they understood why people came back to this place day after day. Um, eventually, I, I applied to be staff there because I, I thought that I could make a difference. Um, and I found out pretty quickly when I joined the staff team that I, I, I felt stifled. Um, I had good ideas and they didn't want me to go forward with them. I think because they felt th maybe threatened um, that I was trying to take the place over for them. And I wasn't. I was just passionate about the community and, and I wanted to take it better. I, I wanted to make it better. Um, and again, I'll, I'll soften that statement a little bit by saying that when I feel defensive, I'm a hard ass and I'm, I'm difficult to get on with. Um, and so I, I, I butted heads with, with people sometimes in, in that group. Um, and I'm smart and I don't pull my punches. Um, so that can be a nasty combination if you're not expecting it. Um, so I, I eventually left that place um, because I, I, I didn't think that I could really make a difference there anymore. And my wife, um, my wife and I wanted to, we were talking about joining a, a different place together um, I was looking at uh, Solitary at that point. Um, then, you know, now Valiance, but what used to be Solitary. One moment. Throat was getting dry. Um, so I, I was looking at Solitary, but my wife is nowhere near the requirements to join that place. Um, so I was like, whatever, maybe I can guess there. And you go and find a place that you think is going to work for you. And we'll, we'll make that work. So we found this other clan that uh, they had about 450 members or so. Big, big place. Uh, marketed as an inclusive social PVM clan, which is kind of exactly what we were looking for. Um, the The leadership team was uh, heavily female-oriented, which was important to my wife. Um, she doesn't like to, to log into the game and see misogynistic or bigoted comments in the chat. It, it makes her turn her chat off and, and walk away from the game. So we were like cool, this place looks like it has the things that both of us are going to need um, in order to be happy and successful. Um, and for probably a month, it felt like that. I, I, I found a group of people I could I could game with. Um, Maya was happy and, and 
she was finding people who she could chat with while she was online and working on maxing. Um, but we started to see some things going wrong in the game chat. Um, people were like making a lot of misogynistic jokes, uh, a lot of openly racist jokes, and the staff there were afraid to confront it um, and, and stop it from happening. And so we watched as a lot of people who we really connected with decided that this place wasn't for them anymore. Um, and so they were leaving and we were like, well, well now like the bigots are still here and the people who we actually wanted to talk to are leaving. Like, what the fuck? Um, so Maya joined their staff team and did the same thing that I did in the prior clan. She went in with good ideas and was trying to make the place better. And, um, was met with either resistance or apathy to her ideas. Um, and like, like I said, my wife has a PhD in chemical engineering and she is one of the most empathetic people that I have ever met her. She's brilliant and connects with people like nobody else that I've ever met. Um, and, and she was dejected and sad that she wasn't able to make a difference. Um, so we were like, well, well, what the fuck? We searched for a long time to find a place that aligned with our values and this place isn't it. So, like, do we go on without a clan now? And I love clans. I love community in, in RuneScape. Um, so she eventually floated the idea of starting our own clan. Um, and I was initially resistant to it. I, I wanted to revisit the idea of solitary. Um, but it, one day while I was at work, um, avoiding thinking about my research, <laughs> um, I, I had the idea that, like, what if I tried to recreate the thing that I have in We Do Raids, except, like, instead of having to say goodbye to people at 25kc, I get to continue watching their PVM progression. Like, what if we made a learner clan? And I floated that idea to Maya, and she was like, yes, let's do it. Um, and and so we recruited uh, our friend Kerrigan um, from, from that old clan, and we were like, all right, we're going to do this. Uh, and, and so it was June of last year, July 1st of last year, we broke off from that social PVM clan and we started Precision PVM. Um, and from day one, this was a clan that was aimed at inclusivity. We wanted to have a positive can-do attitude in game. We were not going to take any shit from people. There's no misogyny and no bigotry. We're going to call it out when we see it. Um, and, and we're going to work really hard to build people up um, and, and, show them how good it feels to learn how to do things that you don't think that you're capable of. Um, and yeah, so that, that was how precision started. And it's been wild since then. There was a lot of other people who were unhappy in the social PVM clan we were in prior and we were not quiet about leaving and what we were leaving to do. Um, which in hindsight, I, I, I maybe wouldn't have burned so many bridges, but I was pretty pissed off at the time. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm smart and don't pull my punches. So um, I did not. <laughs> um, I, I expected people to jump ship and, and come join us and like believe in the thing that we were starting. And that's not what happened. Um, I was my plan when I started Precision was to to instantly have a critical mass of people who came from that old clan so that when I started recruiting on the forums, um, people weren't joining a French chat or a, a CC. I think this was after CC's had the clan system had come out. Um, people weren't joining a, a clan chat that only had five or six people in it. Um, but that's kind of what we ended up doing. 
Um, and what I found is that there's a group of people in this game who like really small clans and who like things that are brand new. And so within three days, we had, I think, 30 members in our group. And that was enough of a critical mass um, that now people from our old clan were like, hey, they're doing something kind of cool over there. Um, and, and they started joining as well. Um, from there, things really took off. Um, I, I do a lot of writing and like persuasive communication for my job. So during the first couple of months, I got a lot of feedback from people who were joining my group um, that the way that I had written my forum post really stood out and spoke to them in a way that other clans' forum posts didn't. Um, I learned that um, people were, yeah, people can't communicate effectively. They um, they weren't interested in like making it their job to greet and welcome new people who came in. Um, other clans' Discord servers maybe weren't done up as as nice as we as ours was. Um, people would join Precision and it looked like a professional organization, kind of from within the first week. Um, and that was the thing that I think really made the difference for us and really sparked our growth. Um, beyond that, I was uh, bumping our forum post all the time. And this is a thing that I don't think a lot of people know. Um, the number one place that you find a clan in Old School RuneScape is on the Old School RuneScape forums. Still to this day, you go to the wow. forums when you want to find a clan. And it's funny because, like, when you when you get on the forums, it'll be like ah, three active users between Old School RuneScape and uh, and RuneScape Three. Most people just don't log in; they just click down to the forum page. And almost every time I click bump on my forum post, I get somebody new popping up in my Discord. Mm. Um, so bumping that religiously, having a compelling forum post and a professional-looking Discord helped us to to kind of take off right away. Um, and then the I think the concept behind Precision was unique as well. Um, when I opened the place, I envisioned something similar-ish to We Do Raids, and I structured the clan as such. Like, we're going to have mentors. It's going to be hard as shit to get a mentor tag, just like it is in We Do Raids, um, because even though that process is hard and it kind of sucks, um, like, it, you come out, like, being able to teach a high-caliber raid, like... And, and um, be able to not get flustered when things go wrong, help people have a good time. Um, and I kind of expected that people would learn PVM with us for a while, and then they would get bored and they would uh, go join what I'll, uh, you know, air quotes, real PVM clan. And that's not what's happened. Um, people come to us, like, before their first fire cape, before their first chambers, and they stay for a really long time because I've cultivated an environment that... I think is difficult to find in other old school RuneScape clans, um, and like the the environment that I have here is 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 not for everyone. I'm I'm not claiming to be the best clan in old school RuneScape, but I, I think that I've created a welcoming environment where it's safe to ask dumb questions, where it's safe to try something hard and fail, and have people who have been there before pick you back up, and and help you along your way, um, and. So things didn't develop the way that I thought they were going to. Um, and I've had to do a lot of rethinking about how the clan should be structured, how our progression should be structured. But the one thing that I did get right is I was like, for every 10 people who I teach how to raid, one of them is going to be really grateful and turn around and be like, I want to do that too. 
and stick around to help me teach the next generation of PVMers. And that is exactly what's happened in Precision. Um, it's how I'm able to support PVM at all levels because I have PVMers at all levels who have experienced having someone kind and patient take them through difficult PVM encounters and then they turn around and give back to people who are uh, just working their way up. So it creates this really wonderful feed-forward cycle um, where my endgame players are getting better and better at the game and helping the people on the rung below them reach the rung that they just ascended from. And at every level, that's what's happening. So you can join Precision at any PVM ability and find somebody who is willing to teach you how to take the next step in your PVM career and or on your PVM journey and and you then turn around and, and help people who are at the stage that you joined at. Um, so yeah, that's kind of Precision's origin story. And I think I've spilled over a little bit into a, a roadmap for PVM progression um, because it's not what I expected it to be. And we've really had to adjust our expectations repeatedly um, over the course of the last year in order to like figure out what our what our members need um, and yeah how, how to make the experience better. Um, we take a much more holistic approach to PVM learning than We Do Raids is capable of doing. And again, not a dig on We Do Raids. Um, I, I just have access to these people for longer. So I can take them aside and I can teach them tick mechanics, I can teach them pathing, I can um, teach them inventory management and gear switches, how to set up their plugins, what their tile markers should look like, um, and, and meet them at their level and help them ascend from there. And that's really not possible with the style of mentorship that you see in We Do Raids. Um, it's also taken a, a lot of, uh, yeah, adjustments of expectations. Um, our mentorship program in Precision is still pretty outdated at this, at this point um, because for the most part, we've outgrown base level learners. Um, I, I only recruit sparingly at this point. I like to keep our clan at 450 members. Um, 500 is the max that you can have in a clan in old school. Um, but I like to have a buffer of about 50 people so that uh, any member can invite their friends in, or if you make an Iron Man, or you want your alt or your main in the clan, um, we have room for you, no questions asked. Um, and I really only start recruiting when we dip below about 420 members, and then we'll recruit for three or four days, I'll swell us back up to 450, and we take off again. Um, there's a lot of turnover in old school RuneScape clans as well. Like, you know, there's that saying that you never quit, you just take long breaks. Um, and we see a lot of that. Sometimes people will outgrow us. Um, sometimes they'll butt heads with me because I'm a hard ass. Um, and and they'll decide to, to leave or they'll take a long break. So we'll see this kind of natural attrition over time. Um, and I don't know, once every six weeks or so, I'll have to open up recruitment and, and we go again. But We've mostly had a, a stable uh, membership base of probably 200 active people over the course of the last eight months or so. Wow. Um, and most of these people stick with us, um, which is really cool. It um, helps me, like, I don't know, integrate and, and internalize that I've done something really cool and, like, made a difference in, in 
maybe not in the old school RuneScape community, but like in the gaming experience of uh, the people that I care about, and like that's what's important to me. Um, yeah, yeah. that that's seriously like what I feel like is needed. These because um, we do raids does has always seemed like the place to learn raids. And right. like you said, I mean, when you're imme- when you're forcibly turned over after a certain point, mm-hmm. it's probably not the best way to go about it. Let me ask you about just clan forming in general. Is there so you said you made this clan last year, July? Mm-hmm. Yep. So is there anything that you wish you would have would have done differently? It sounds like it all went pretty well, but is there anything like toward the beginning of creating a clan that you would have done differently now? I I mean, like, I can nitpick some of the things that I did when I opened Precision, but I led with kindness, and I'm passionate about the thing that I do, um, and I think people find that passion infectious, um, and, and so they want to be a part of the thing that I'm making, and that, I think, is the most important thing. Um, be kind to people, um, and I, I say that, and I am a hard ass. Um, if you piss me off, you're gonna get it. But I, 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 I make a real effort to 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 meet people at their level and and be kind and and, and I don't know, just lead with passion, make the best decisions that I can with the information that I have. Um, so there's not a whole heck of a lot that I would have changed. I, I might have changed the way that we left our formal social PVM, our, our former social PVM clan, because um, I burned a lot of bridges, made a lot of drama there. Um, but it like that was born of the same passion that's made precision successful like and it's hard to have one without the other um so while i i try to curb that uh you know that side of me it's it, i don't know it just it happens <laughs> i see also how do you choose leadership in your clan is that, like you say that you know there's a place for all people like in any level mm-hmm. they are in their pvm success or um career or whatever uh, yeah, so how do you select who's going to be a leader and uh, just a mod in your clan at all? So that's a really interesting question because I, I think a lot of clans will promote people who are good at the game and play a lot. And I don't care about either of those things. Um, my motto has always been, I can teach anybody how to click on a boss, but I'm not interested in teaching you how to not be a shitty person. Um so I look for people who resonate with the message behind Precision, who believe in the thing that I believe in. Um, there's a certain threshold you need to hit. Like, uh, we formalized it a, a couple of months ago, and now you need elite combat achievements done in order to be considered for staff at Precision. Um, but that's a lot of our membership. Like, let's be real, elite combat achievements are not that hard to hit anymore. Um I look for people who resonate with my message and I look for people who have real leadership experience IRL. And that makes an enormous amount of difference. Um, If I look through a couple of members of my staff team, um, I've mentored undergraduates through their theses. I've had probably five or six undergraduate students. Um, I've run team projects at my job. So I, I have some leadership experience IRL. Um, as well as some uh, like legitimate teaching experience. Um, my wife has a PhD in chemical engineering, and she was a lead scientist at a major pharmaco- pharmaceutical company. Um, Nuka Princess on my staff 
uh, is the engineering director for the entire North American division of a major chemical producing company. She is um, like she's a phenomenal leader uh, within her field. Um, Gridlock owns a beer distribution company. He's a he's a small business owner. Um, Glantry works in finance. Uh, he's got a couple of professional degrees and um, yeah has has experience leading real teams IRL. Um, Astolfo is a lawyer. Um, his whole job depends on like interacting positively with with other people. Um, and I, I it's not like I'm asking for a resume and a pedigree before I promote people. Um, but th these are things that come out in conversation um, as we're like running raids together. Um, and these are people who I genuinely click with as well. We get along and, and we're friends outside of running the clan. And that, I think, eases a lot of the burden of running a big volunteer organization like this. I, I promote the right people. When we make decisions as a leadership team, we're generally unified. Um, and, and we'll talk about things until we come to a unified conclusion as a group. We talk about them as mature adults and kind of like put our business person hats on um, and, and come up with a, a, a good solution for the, for the problem that we're having. And then I turn around and I'm transparent with my community about how and why we're making the decisions that we're making. And you don't have to agree with it, but you're going to understand where I'm coming from. So... Yeah, I can teach anyone how to click on a boss, um, but I'm not interested in teaching people how to, how to not be shitty people. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had just we we had just touched on um, how I choose the leadership for my clan, and and before I move on to the next major point that I I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to take a minute to highlight a couple of people, uh, a, a couple of people's individuals, uh, PVM journeys um, within my clan. Um, I want to, so Astolfo, who I just talked about, he's the, the lawyer who's on my staff team, um, was Precision's 12th member, I think, and he came to us, he's a group Iron Man, he was like 100 combat, had a dragon scimitar and a rune crossbow, and was like, I want to learn how to raid, um, and I have had to fight with this man every step of the way, because he always wants to do shit that he is not appropriately cared for. <laughs> <laughs> he's pushing himself into raids that he's not ready for. When can I learn Tob? All of that stuff. Um, and I, 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 he used to get under my skin a lot. And um, I ran this workshop probably about nine months ago um, on how to teach people chambers, um, like a mentorship for future mentors. And Astolfo came along. And even though his gear was still shit at the time, he called a phase of Ohm for me. And I was like, holy shit, you're good at this, man. Um, and I I kind of just started trying to build him up from there. Um, dude's a fucking spoon. He's uh, He spooned a Twisted Bow and a Shadow at this point. Um, and he's got quite a bit of endgame gear. Um, and he, he's one of the best mentors that we have now. He, he's somebody who came to us having no PVM knowledge. Um, and just actually this morning, we he and I ran a, a challenge mode raids learner together. Um, and he was our mage skipper. He, he was helping the people with zero KC get the headset um, and, and get them through Ulm. It was a disaster. Um, but the learners, I think, came out the other side feeling like they had a good time. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of him for that. Um, the other person that I really wanted to talk about is Glantry. Um, Glantry 
came to us kind of same thing as Astolfo, but he plays on a main. Um, he was one of the most attentive learners who I've ever had. Um, asked really, really good questions. He struggled a lot on the uptake of, of new mechanics um, and was always self-conscious about like failing in front of other people and like, I, I don't want to slow your raids down. Um, and I taught him chambers and then I taught him tombs. Um, I helped him get his Masori crafting kit. And at that point, he and I were like, we we're good friends at that point. And I turned around and said, all right, you need to start teaching people now. Um, so he put his nose to the grindstone and got good at PVM so that he could teach people how to do Tombs of a Masket. And he is now one of our best Tombs of a Masket mentors. Um, he's no longer teaching our base level raids. Uh, he runs what we call reps events. Um, you graduate from learner raids into reps events. Those are for, for people who know the mechanics and are just a little wobbly in the raids. Um, and he teaches an introduction to Tombs of a Masket expert, expert raids. He runs uh, two sets of, uh, of those raids every week. Um, he also just recently locked himself in the Inferno um, and in way less time than I did, uh, was able to turn himself around and, and come out with his infernal cape. Um, so he's gone from having no bank and no PVM knowledge to owning a twisted bow and an infernal cape um, and is one of the guys that I regularly call on when I'm looking to just send some content with friends. Um, and that, to me, is what makes all of this stuff that, that I'm doing here really worthwhile. Like looking at people's PVM journey and like knowing that I had a hand in their success, not that I'm taking credit for their success, but like knowing that I was a part of the reason why they have this passion for this game is really incredible to me. Um, the fact that, that these guys come home from their professional jobs every day and sit down on the computer and be like, I'm going to go lock myself in the Inferno and then I'm going to teach other people how to do tombs and that's how they want to spend their evening. Like, that's so fucking cool to me. <laughs> Um, I, I, I absolutely love it. And it, I think this isn't unique to just precision. I think that if you are attuned to these things and you lead with kindness and, um, I don't know, meet people at their levels, you, you can find stories like these all over old school RuneScape. And that is the thing that makes this game so worthwhile for me, um, being a part of a community and helping people grow and achieve their goals is the reason why I'm able to sit here and, you know, kill a boss a thousand times. Like it, it's, you know, it, it's not because I find that boss fun and engaging all thousand times. Um, it's, it's the community that surrounds the game we play that, that really makes a difference for me. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I think I wanted to move into the things that, generically make a clan successful and like what separates a clan like precision or oblivion vintage or infernal and not that we're on the same level as oblivion but undeniably successful clans from places that uh, open up and, and close down um within six months um so i, I have a couple of examples um when I first opened Precision, I was looking around the forums for other clans that had opened within the last two weeks. 
and I wanted to get in touch with the people who ran those clans and like bounce ideas off each other and um, I don't know, talk about how we were going to make our group successful. And I'm still in some of those clans' discords. Um, every single one of those clan leaders shot me down and said, nah, we don't want anything to do with you. Um, and one of those places in particular came came back to me two months later and were like, how do you have 300 members? We're still sitting at 50. Like, what the fuck did you do? Damn. <laughs> and I was like, peace out, idiot. Like, you had your chance. <laughs> um, so... When you're first starting a clan and you have less than 25 members, um, the things that separate a successful clan from an unsuccessful clan are the dedication of the leadership team and how professional you're able to make your place look. Um, when you have less than 25 members in your brand new clan, everybody who joins need to, needs to be greeted by name. You need to be talking with them about their journey, why they found you, what did you like, um, both so that they feel humanized and like seen and heard, but also so you can take notes about what attracted this person to your group so that you know what to continue doing and what not to do. The other thing is when we have people leave, and we've done this at almost every stage of our of our development as a clan when a long-term member leaves uh the staff person who clicked with that person the best has kind of like an exit interview if you will with them we hit them up and say hey we're sad to see you go like good luck with wherever you're going next but we were hoping that you could tell us why it is that you left um so that we can do better in the future um and we then sit down as a staff team and go over this person's feedback and say are they right? Are they wrong? And sometimes they're right, but the reasons why they're right are just not in line with our vision for where the clan is going to go. So we say, okay, we need to work on making people like this feel more included, um, but we don't agree with this feedback and and we're going to keep going the way that we're going. Sometimes um, we've made a mistake um, and like pushed somebody out or caused somebody to leave who was valuable. Um, and, a, and a good member of the community, and they left for reasons that we could have prevented. Um, we had three people leave our group um, probably six months ago who were here almost from day one. They were endgame PVMers who just liked to chill in the clan. Um, they mostly kept to themselves, um, but yeah, they, they, you know, positive vibes, grasses for people's achievements, and answered questions, would, would send raids if you asked them to, but um, didn't seek out external company. And one of them made an off comment to one of my other endgame players, and the second endgame player just lost his fucking shit um, and was berating them in clan chat, and I, like, I eventually had to mute him, get him the fuck out of there, and, and calm him down. Um, and, and then he kept making passive-aggressive remarks at this group for, for the next week. Um, and I should have seen this, and I, I should have stopped it, um, but I, I didn't, because frankly, these were all people who were better at the game than I was, and I didn't feel like I really had a place getting in the middle of their spat, um, but I, I lost four valuable members over that, um, and that, I, I still regret mishandling that, um, and, and when we did our, like, exit interview, if you will, with them, they were brutally honest with me, and I was like, oh, man, we really fucked up. Mm. <laughs> like, that fucking hurt. But we turned around, and we've tried to do better since then. Um, and, 
yeah, I think that that kind of uh, that kind of feedback loop is really important for building a successful community. You need to know what it is that draws people to your community, and keep doing those things, and then be attuned to things that make people unhappy. And that one's really hard because oftentimes, if people are unhappy with a decision that I've made, they're not going to come to me with it because I have access to the ban button and they do not. Like, there's just an inherent power differential and it they risk, like, flat-out rejection um, or they, I think, feel like they risk being dismissed from the group. I, I, I don't ban people for dissenting opinions. Um, but in order to combat that, I, I have very social staff members who always have their ears on the ground who listen for things like this and bring these problems back to the staff team so that we can discuss them as a group and figure out how to solve the problems before these members leave. Um, I think that the point that I'm driving towards is the social aspect, even in a PVM clan, is the thing that really separates uh, a successful clan from an unsuccessful clan. Um, and that starts to become really apparent once you've got kind of a little bit of an established community. Um, once you you have over 100 members in your clan, like people will join the CC as a guest and be like, okay, there's a lot of people here. Like if all of these people think that this is a cool place to be, they must be onto something. So I think that they're more willing to give it a shot. Um, and from there, it, it's about like having a having a hand in in controlling the culture without um being overly involved in policing people's behavior so we control our clan culture from the top down um i will make micro adjustments in how i speak about things and trust that my long-term community members will pick up on the shift in things that i'm saying and think about it and and oftentimes start thinking the same thing. And then before I know it, um, all of my long-term community members are like espousing this this new value. Um, and it, it quickly takes hold within the community. Um, that's been really powerful for us, both in terms of moderating toxicity um, and in terms of shifting the trajectory of the clan as we grow. Um, we've had to have some really uncomfortable conversations with people because people will come into the CC and um, make make thoughtless comments, um, things that read the wrong way. Because the, the thing that you kind of have to keep in mind when you're speaking into a large CC um, is that you have no idea what other people's lives are like. Um, there is, let me just check real quick. Uh, 60 people online right now in precision. And if I were to say something thoughtless in there, um, it, we have people from Australia, from Europe, uh, from the United States, from South America, all online at the same time. We have people as young as 18 and people as old as 45 or 50, uh, people who live with their parents in their basement, people who have professional degrees from all walks of life. And you need to be really careful with how you say things and express yourself in that environment. Um, so we had to go pretty hard on that for the first couple of months. And my wife is a saint for that. She doesn't take shit from anybody. Um, she's a, a very successful lady and doesn't like being talked down to because she's a lady. 
So if somebody makes a misogynistic comment, Maya's right on them. Um, and she does it in a way that um, makes it apparent to the person that the thing that they've said is stupid. Um, it applies strong social pressure that redirects the culture of the group. Um, and, and other people in the clan are like, holy shit, like, I don't want angry bear Maya. Like, you know, I, I'm going to control the way that, that I speak. And, and the next time somebody says something like that, Maya and I don't have to step in because our community does it for us. Um, and all of a sudden now, like we've, we've broken this feedback loop of, of toxicity. Um, and we, yeah, the, the community kind of self-directs and, and keeps itself positive. Um, that needs some adjustments from now and again. It's it's not all sunshine and rainbows, um, but actually speaking up when things go wrong is really, really important. What Maya and I have found as we've traversed through old school RuneScape clans together is that when a community claims to value something and the leadership doesn't protect those values, the people in the group who really do believe in that thing don't go to the leadership when they have problems. They just remove themselves from the community. And it's really important to us to recognize that early on. Um, we don't want the people who really believe in us to decide that this place no longer fits their values because we weren't strong enough to have a confrontation in CC. So we have a lot of difficult conversations with people um and sometimes like those people will just flip out and they leave and i'm like all right peace idiots see ya um but sometimes that person will really turn themselves around and and become a really valuable member of the community um i want to shout out uh a, a guy in my clan walker who in his first week in precision um said something dumb in a raid uh about like this makes me want to do another, and then he named a, a, a mass shooting. Um, and I, I, I sat him down in, in DM, and I was like, this shit does not fly here. If you do this again, you will be removed from my community. Do we have an understanding? You know, and, and he fell in line right away. Yes, sir, like, this won't happen again. I, I really like this place, and I, I don't want to leave. Um, and then I, I, I took a step back and gave him a chance to, like, sit with the feedback. And he did a complete 180 and has become one of the most valuable members of our community. Um, Walker is one of the only people in Precision who has experience uh, running scaled chambers. And so we're blessed to have regular like 3 plus 12s and 5 plus 25 raids in Precision that are led and alted by Walker, um, who just takes pleasure in trying to complete his chambers log and raiding with the homies. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to just shout him out for, for the 180 that he's done and how valuable a member he, he's become to us. Um, I'm a little bit off topic now, but um, <laughs> these these are the things that need to happen. And, and it, it's it's at a social level that you separate a community that's worth being a part of from a community that falls apart and, and has ineffective leadership. Um, so this attention to detail and like every decision that we make is with our clan's vision in mind um, and, and, and understanding that when people say shit that makes me uncomfortable, other people like me in the CC become more likely to leave 
therefore we need to have the confrontation right away, I think are, are some of the things that really set precision apart um, from other communities. Um, we have a strong, unified, and well-communicated vision for where we are, what we value, and where we want to go. And that, I think, is really important as well. Um, when people join Precision, they know right away that this is a place to learn to get good at the game. We don't like people botting or having services done on their account. You don't need to be carried through combat achievements. You are good enough to get there yourself. Um, and we'll pick you up by your bootstraps and we're going to help you every step along the way. Um, I, I, I talked a little bit earlier about how we've had to update our vision because I, I thought that we were always going to be a, a like truly a raid learner clan and we're really not anymore. Um, we kind of go through really cool phases where people who are at the same level in their PVM journey are all starting to try to do the same thing at the same time. Um, if we had challenge mode raids, we had Tob, we had get their Masori crafting kit. Most recently, we had get your Infernal Cape. We we've had this really wonderful insurgence of Infernal Cape learners in Precision, and these are all people who who joined us as raids learners and like learned chambers together are now gassing each other up as they're going for their Infernal Capes together. Um, so I, I have a small team of Infernal mentors who include my, my brother Quinn, who is a, a RuneScape Grandmaster, um, and my buddy Greed, um, who's just really fucking good at the game, and then myself. And we sit in our Infernal voice chat together. Um, there, This was about a month ago before our last clan bingo. Um, there was three learners sending Inferno attempts like every single evening. And there was a whole bunch of other people who were in there calling their Zucks, helping them through the waves. Um, you know, let's open up Inferno stats and talk about how you should have solved this. Here are the skills that you're missing. And then beyond that, when we see that we have uh, the, the next big thing right now is Inferno, um, I at a leadership level can start putting structured events on the calendar that teach the essential skills that people need to learn in order to get uh, to get the thing that they're going for. Um, so for, for the Inferno, both Quinn and I have run full-on Inferno teaching streams. Think like Adicon's first Cape Friday, except it's 40 people in voice chat. Um, and I'm, I'm stopping to pause and live answer questions as I'm going for this cape. Um, and Quinn is really incredible. He did three Infernos back to back to back. He did a Max Gear cape, an Iron Man Gear cape, and then a Sub-65 GM cape. Uh, and commentated all three all in the same afternoon. And then uploaded them to YouTube so we had a resource. Um, dude is incredible. And uh, I didn't pay him for this. Um, I, I wish that... Like, I, I don't know, I, I, he gets satisfaction out of teaching people PVM just like I do. And then a couple of weeks later, I did the same thing because Glantry was starting his Inferno grind. So um, I, I have my own teaching stream, both on YouTube and uh, within Precision's resources. Um, again, we're, we're off topic, but um, <laughs> this is it, it's all a part of um, having this unified and, and well-communicated vision to my community about what we are, why we play RuneScape, um, and and the path that that we're gonna take to get there. Um, I'm gonna pause and take a drink of water. Real no, quick. you're good. No, I I love it. Um, 
the clans I've been in in the past, and I had I had been in solitary as well, so it was interesting you brought that up. Um, it is tough though because like you really do have to have a you have to have good leadership first of all in the leadership position, like all the mods, and right. you have to have some values because I swear when you do have like you said a just a melting pot of just people from around the world with different values different you know things that they find appropriate or not you do get pretty consistently at least in some of the clans i was in that are like more high level just inappropriate conversations going on where you don't even want to involve yourself at all in fact like what you said is you just want to leave <laughs> like you just want to like get out of there so it's really tough, and I think you've uh, you've gone in the right direction in handling that. So that's yeah, that's really cool of you. We're trying. Um, we had a we had an end game player come to us from one of the like super elite PVM clans um, a couple of months ago, and this was a person who was really cracked at RuneScape, really fucking good, um, who like had tried to stand up for the things that precision stood for and just gotten absolutely drowned out uh, in, in one of these groups. Um, and she was ridiculed and harassed and eventually left the clan and found her way over to precision. Um, and I, I, that story really resonated with me when she told it to me. Cause I was like, you know, you're cracked at this game. Like, why do you want to be a part of a learner clan? Um, and, and, and it kind of made sense to me, but she, had a lot of trouble divesting herself of the culture from that other group. Um, and so the way that she chose to speak to the members in my clan was in her head, um, like very kind and approachable, but compared to how I speak to people in precision, it came off as cold, callous and like, and, and, and frankly mean, um, she and I went back and forth a, a whole bunch of times where she was, you know, she was like, I'm trying really hard. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, you're sitting here coddling a bunch of noobs, like, who need to just go to World 416 and fail over and over again until they get good. And I'd be like, no, that's not what they need. They they need to sit here and be mentored uh, until they're able to stand on their own two feet because then they're going to turn around and, and teach other people how to do the same thing with, with exactly the same attitude. Um and, and I was never quite able to get on the same page with this person. And um, they eventually left Precision. I I was sad when they left because I I don't know. I I felt like I would have maybe eventually been able to, to reach an understanding with them. But um, they had so thoroughly damaged their reputation with both the people who were good at PVM and the people who weren't good at PVM in my group that... Um, even if she and I were able to to see eye to eye, um, she was not able to get on the same page with the other people in the community, and mm. I don't know that that kind of sucked. Um, so while we're on the topic of things that make clans successful, um, I pulled my community um, at, when I agreed to be on the cast, um, and I, I wanted to make sure that they had their voices heard as well. And I asked them, what is it that makes Precision different from other clans? Why did you stick here instead of, you know, continuing your, your clan search? Um, yeah, and so here's some of the things that my clan mates have to say. Um, they really like that we have a low entry point with a high skill ceiling. We're um, very committed to 
being accessible to anybody who has a basic amount of RuneScape knowledge. And we think that Barrow's Gloves really encompasses that. Um, if you have Barrow's Gloves, you've been around the block a little bit, and it's very easy to verify because it's only one item, but it requires the completion of like 30 different quests, and you have to have a whole bunch of skills above 70 and know how to do a boss fight and shit. Um, but we have a lot of aspirational content within the group as well, and I provide a lot of opportunities for my players who are very good at the game uh, to show off and, like, help other people and, and feel important. Um, so low entry point and, and high skill ceiling. Um, we have a lot of highly structured events with formal mentoring. Um, we have a couple of different tiers of events that are like formally run by the clan. Um, and these are helpful because it helps you find other people within my community who are at the same level as you. Um, and we don't have a lot of raids where somebody who has a Zuckhelm is expecting to complete a 30 minute, uh, you know, not 30 minute, like, you know, 22 minute 350, um, at, compared to like what my event might actually be, which is a 35 minute 350. Um, so we have learner raids, which are our base learner events. This is where we teach you the mechanics of the raids. And then you graduate from learner raids to reps events which are, um, I, I can complete the raid, I'm still a little bit wobbly, and I just want to practice with other people who are at the same level as me. Um, and those events are really successful um, because, again, everybody's at the same level, so it's a safe environment for people to try new things and fail. Um, and we often structure those events so that they're intentionally just a little bit too hard for people. Um, we'll do things uh, like insanity climbs where... This is like our, our introduction to 300 level Tombs of a Masket. We started a 150 raid level with almost no invocations on, except all of the Warden invocations, and we teach you the basics of Insanity. And then after that raid, we up the raid level by 75. Insanity is still on, and we do it again, but this time it's a little bit harder. And then finally, we'll jump up to a 300, and um, now you're doing a full Expert raid with all of the Warden invocations on. And, and when you finish that, now those people f usually feel pretty confident joining into the expert level raids that are just run within my community. Um, from our reps events, we'll go into advanced learners. And this is where we teach you like it, not just how to survive through the raid, but like how you're actually going to farm KC. Um, we teach spec ordering and pathing. We teach you how to brew on the correct ticks in chambers. We teach you how to run the head and mage skip. Um, we teach things like freezing in Tob. We teach butterfly in Akka, um, a little bit of Red X Baba. And when you graduate from these advanced learner raids, now you're ready for our money raid events. And this is the event for your very end game players. And we have strict requirements to join these things. Um, and we enforce them pretty strictly as well. Um, we've learned that it's really important to be true to the intended audience of an event when we put them on the calendar. And because we have so many tiers of PVM events, we're, we can be pretty confident turning people away. And because there's going to be an event on the calendar that we can point to, to be like, yo, this is the right place for you. And you need to go here and complete this event with this person on this day. Um, and when you're done with that, uh, then you're going to be ready to try this again. And that has a really nice effect on my money rate events where 
like my endgame players will still show up because if I was letting learners into those events, my endgame players stop showing up. Um, and then it's me trying to carry a bunch of undergeared people through a raid that's too hard for them. And all of a sudden I'm not having fun anymore either. Um, that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way in the first six months of the group. Um, but I, I want to also point out there that maintaining this level of structure like, this requires volunteers to lead all of these raids, and that's fucking hard. Um, I am solely relying on goodwill and a desire to make the community better um, for people to keep showing up and running these events. So I, I, like, regularly feel like I'm holding on just by a thread, and, like, it, you, one thing can go wrong and everything will tumble out of control and I, I won't be able to sustain the model that I've built so far. And I don't know that that's entirely rational um, because we're a big community and we're a community of people who are generally like happy to be here and happy to help other people. Um, and the community is usually pretty understanding if IRL comes up and, and I need to cancel an event or another staff member needs to cancel an event. Um, sometimes they'll still run it just by themselves, which is pretty cool to see. Um, but it, yeah, it, it takes a lot of formal infrastructure to make a, 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 a something so structured work on a consistent basis. Um, and we don't have, you know, four or five levels of events for all three raids running at the same time. Um, there's usually two to three clan events that are structured and held by mentors or staff members every single day. So we go for probably between 14 and 20 um, events over the course of a week. And um, most of those are raiding events. My, my guys like to raid. Um, but we teach a lot of solo PVM um, as well. Um, we... Another thing that Precision does well is find an appropriate balance between Iron Raiders and Mains. Um, because Irons and Mains need very different things when they're learning PVM. Um, and I am 100% an Iron Sympathizer because I have been in their position where I didn't have a lot of split money, I had to FFA everything and my gear was shit, but please let me come raid with you anyways. Um, and that kind of falls neatly within uh, the structure of events that we have. For each tier of event, there is a different expectation of gear for Ironmen and a different expectation of being able to split. Um, I was taught to raid by mains, so I have always had split money. I've always aspired to be able to split all of the super weapons, and I expect the same thing of my Ironmen, which in turn makes the mains within my clan much more happy to raid with irons who are undergeared. Um, I butt heads with irons a lot of the time. Um, like, if you want to come to our uh, any of our money raid events, you need to be able to split everything outside of the super weapon. You are allowed to FFA the super weapon for that raid. And even if you are appropriately geared and good enough at the content, if you don't have that split money on hand, you are not allowed to come to this raid. Um, which pisses some people off, but um, what I've found is that oftentimes when I turn these Iron Men away, um, other people in the CC will see it and be like, yo, I'll raid with you. Like, we'll go run a similar kind of thing, um, and you can FFA what you need to FFA. Um, and yeah, yeah, just handling it like coming from a place of maturity, um, I, I find that most of the time people understand and are willing to start working towards accumulating split money, which like realistically don't even take that long. Like, if you need to be able to split a Masori body, 
um, it's only like 100 mil at this point, it, it, you can do tombs for a week and have enough dupes that you're able to split that. Like, it, it, it turns out to not be as difficult as as, um, as it initially seems. Um, another thing that we do really well is uh, teaching workshops. Um, I, again, want to shout out Quinn and Greed here. Um, those guys have had a really incredible idea um, to have competitions in precision that are modeled after EVscape's speedrun cup. Um, so we have a, a vote on which competition, which raid and scale it's going to be, and then you form teams for it, and now we're going to go and run chamber speeds. Um, next week is going to be Cox 5's reg speeds, um, and we're going to pair that with teaching workshops on chamber speeds because now we've incentivized people. They, they want to compete. They want to get good um, and beat their friends. Uh, and they're much more receptive to a, a teaching stream on uh, speed metas. So over this past week, um, I've had three, I think, speed sessions um, that are openly streamed in precision, um, capped at five-man teams with one to two learners on the team who have never done speeds before, but we get between 10, 10 and 30 people in voice chat watching as I'm teaching these people speeds. Um, and yeah, we, man, we, we smashed the regs trio time, uh, the GM time by 75 seconds and the fives time by over a minute, um, with two people who have never done speeds before this week. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, so everybody's all psyched up about this. <laughs> Um, I didn't, did you have anything else to say? Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm loving this. I'm, I, I love hearing about, I mean, this is stuff that I am not really, I, right now I'm not in a clan. And so, uh, hearing about this is it's just interesting hearing about, uh, how other clan leaders run their clans and just, yeah, yeah. keep, keep going. So, um, the other thing that we do is we, we were very intentional in how we structured our rank up system. So, uh, Barrow's Gloves to begin, and then we plotted out easy account milestones that we want people who are well-rounded raiders, both um, you need to be good at RuneScape and like have a high total level and also be good at PVM. Um, and we ended up striking a pretty good balance because I was really, I, I, I was decent at PVM when, when Precision opened and we started this place, and my wife was just beginning, so between the two of us having arguments together, um, we settled on this uh, really nice system um, that, uh, that yeah, highlights account progression in, in a natural way. And um, people like having the cool symbol next to their name. Um, so I have people who are now applying for rank ups who are going, ah, damn, I need 50 KC in two raids. I guess I better start learning tombs or I guess I better start learning chambers of Zarek um, so that I can have my mithril sword. Um, and, and that's been really effective for us, um, to achieve our highest rank in precision, you need to have every master combat achievement done, not just access to the, to the Verzik helm. You need every master combat achievement done. You need an infernal cape, um, and you need to have been in precision for six months. And then you need to do what's called a demonstration of mastery, um, which is a, a concept that I came up with. It's essentially a high level teaching stream and... Yeah, so I, I make everybody who wants to be endgame in our community and be recognized for it turn around and show everybody the thing that they want to be good at and known for and teach other people how to do it. And it 
it's a it's a two benefit system here where one they establish themselves as a teacher and 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 I make them feel what it's like to be the center of attention and have other people like looking up to them and um teaching raids and and then they're also the center of attention you know 30 people are watching them do whatever content it is that they're good at um so they come out of that like feeling really positive about themselves it is kind of a simple idea that has been really effective for us um and we're we're seeing this now pop up in the form of just teaching streams i'm i'm having a lot of my end game players just on a whim set up a teaching stream every single teaching stream that precision holds has at least 10 people but sometimes up to 40 or 50 um depending on on the content that's that's in it um and everybody is so happy about other people's success um account progression and like gassing each other up is infectious and like once you feel that once you are happy to give it to other people um so we've created this culture where like you're supported when you're trying to do hard things people like know what most of our active members are working on and like when you log in people will be like hey how's your infernal cape grind going you know when are you sending your next attempt how far did you make it last time like what's your progress on your fang kit kind of thing and then when they get it the whole cc just blows up for them um which is also really cool um and yeah so we, we've made this like positive environment where it's safe to fail and we just gas each other up um we have a zero tolerance for bigotry uh, and misogyny i do not like you will not talk like that in my community and you can get the fuck out if you try it um sometimes people will come in and, and like i don't know maybe you haven't read my forum post you don't think that i'm being serious about it and you'll open with something cringe and you know just immediately ejected from the community um and having that uh strong social pressure that starts from the top down um has been really important in maintaining this environment and it it makes it sustainable um i don't have to address every conflict head on um because i i can trust my community to do it for me um We've discussed already uh, promoting the right people. I think that that's really, really important. Um, and the other, the other thing is like meeting people where they're at. Um, you get people from all walks of life, all ages, and like educational backgrounds. And it's a skill to be able to listen to somebody talk and like get an idea for: Does this person play by feel? Do they count ticks? How invested are they? How passionate are they? Where is their end goal? Do they just want to be able to send casual trio chambers or are they looking to get their combat achievements done? Um, and so adapting our style of mentorship, depending on who the audience of a particular mentorship session is, um, is something that I and my mentors do really well, um, or I, I think that we do really well. Um, and, and I think helps people achieve their goals faster um yeah so there's a long list of things uh reasons why i think precision is successful <laughs> no i mean that it makes sense why it does so curious is there like um if if you were to you know join that clan is is there kind of the assumption that you will become a teacher at some point or are you free to just join as if it's kind of like a we do raids and bounce after you know yeah there's no obligations okay. like 
I, I don't think it's a positive experience uh, for the learners to be in a learner raid with somebody who doesn't want to be teaching. Um, and sometimes people like just don't fit and that's okay. Like RuneScape has like a hundred thousand players. There's hundreds of clans. If this isn't the thing for you, like fuck off, go find somewhere that does fit your values. Cause that place exists. Yeah. Um, so like there's not that many players who are the, it, it's the dragon rank in my clan. There, there's not that many people who are dragon rank yet. Um, and some people like, just want to hang out and, and never rank up at all. They're, they've been here for six months, eight months, and they're still bronze rank. That's totally fine. Do you, man. Um, as long as you're, like, not being mean to people, like, play your game. <laughs> no big deal. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I wanted to talk a moment about uh, some of the challenges that we've had, because uh, it's not been sunshine and roses um, the whole way through. Um... And I think that the the biggest challenge that Precision has had is that we've had a, a group of endgame players come in at, at different points along our progression um, who are just straight up fucking toxic. And, like, it, it's really hard to have an argument with these people because they are better at the game than you and they know it. Um, so they can rely, like, they can base their toxicity in in-game skill um and and kind of silence people it it has a a really shitty effect on the community we we had two grandmasters who were in the clan for a while who had very little interest in teaching people pvm um they looked down on most people in the group um, and if you joined a voice chat with these guys, like they were just going back and forth talking shit about whoever was talking in the CC. Um, and eventually that kind of started to spill into the CC as well. Um, and I was slow to act here because uh, one of them was a grandmaster and the other was about to be a grandmaster. We were like kind of fighting back and forth to see who was going to get GMs first. So I was running a lot of raids with these guys and it like I really didn't like how they talked about people um but I was worried that if I ostracized them um and and pushed them out of my group that I wasn't going to be able to get my Zuckhelm um and eventually that spilled over enough um that I I had I had people coming to me saying like I I don't want to share my achievements in the CC anymore because um, these guys are just going to make fun of me and like that feels shitty. So I've stopped talking. Um, and and so we eventually had to make the decision to to push these guys out. Um, we didn't ban them. We just stopped listening to the things that they were saying. Um, and like it, people started calling them out when they said toxic things in game. Um, it, it, I don't know. It was a really difficult situation because like on a human-to-human -human level, I, I didn't mind hanging out with these guys. Um, and it feels so good to be in coordinated max F raids and to have a team that's willing to go all the time. Um, but it's not right for my community. And yeah, it was that, that was one of the biggest challenges that we have had so far as a, as a group. That's, um, and, that seems ahead. to be a, 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 yeah, a problem. Just, I mean we see especially in like a pvm sense it's the same thing with skillers the same thing with pkers i mean when you're better at the game and you're playing a game where there's not a face attached it's just like you're looking at an account 
there's just that like subconscious respect that you're giving to these players. So, right. Yeah. That's a really tough one. Cause we see it. I mean, I don't know if you're on Twitter at all, but it's the mm-hmm. same thing that goes on Twitter. It's like, if you're, if you got clout on RuneScape for whatever reason, you can kind of get away with more bullshit and it's, mm-hmm. it's annoying. And, and to an extent I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Um, I like, I don't know it, if somebody who is blatantly wrong is disagreeing with me, like I can get real toxic real fast. Um, and it's like, I have to work really hard to like pull myself back, um, and, and not be like that. And my wife is really good at calling me out on this. Um, if I'm saying things that she thinks are going to ostracize people, I get an earful from her after I log off. Um, and she does it in a way that doesn't make me feel shitty about myself. So, and I don't know, I, I, I do care about people and I, I want the place to be successful. Um, so I've had to like change m- myself as a person um, a-, a lot and, and how I interact with people in, in order to run a successful community. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> I think yep. that's a point that I have a little bit later on. Um, did I have anything else on biggest challenges we we've kind of already touched on that we're reliant on on volunteers um that also is hard um we make do and we make adjustments when we can but yeah being reliant on volunteers makes this place pretty fucking difficult um yeah so i i wanted to shift to like what it's like to run a community like this like as a human person um and yeah, I I don't know. I I have had to I've had to shift how I think about the game and how I interact with other people um in order to like not ostracize people. Um I am very like I tend to think in a way that's rather black and white. There is a right and a wrong way to play. There are lots of right ways to play, but there are also lots of wrong ways to play. Um and I have, over the course of the last year, had to consistently remind myself that RuneScape is a game. Like, it, it's a game that can suck up your whole life if you let it. Um, it. It has a lot of very intrinsic meaning to me. But at the end of the day, it's a fucking game. And, like, if somebody's coming home from work and, like, just wants to send casual trio chambers um, and do nothing else for the next year, like, whatever, let them have their evening. Um, I, I don't need to be pushing this person... Uh, to get better all the time because that makes them hostile and defensive and maybe they leave and like having an active looking for group channel is in line with my clan's values so even though that person isn't playing in a way that I necessarily agree with I need to live and let live um, and and not make headaches for myself Um, but kind of following the same train of thought I, I have a lack of interest in things that aren't teaching or running like uh max efficiency raids um so like uh people in my in my group who have graduated from learner raids um find me approachable and and will be like hey you want to go send some like 200 tombs of a masket and i'm absolutely not interested in that <laughs> like it's, i i've completed tombs i i don't want to do that if the raid level's less than 400 miss me with that mm-hmm. um but if you come to me and you're like, hey, I can do a 200 Tombs of a Masket and I want to work towards my Masori kit, will you help me? Fuck yeah, I'm all there. Um, but 
there are other people on my staff team who like just sending, uh, you know, chill raids with the boys. Um, and, and we have a lot of people who, who are like that. Um, so those people aren't lacking people to do content with. Um, so yeah, I've kind of had to, I've kind of had to learn to not impose my values so hard on my community, um, and, and kind of learn to not see the world in black and white. And this has been like, it's resulted in a profound character growth for me, um, but it's also been really difficult. I think that I'm very skilled in conflict resolution and people management now in a way that I wasn't a year ago. But Jesus Christ, it's exhausting, man. Like, I wake up every morning and there's like 15 fucking Discord messages, five different problems that have occurred overnight. Everybody needs my attention. Like, what clan events do we have? And like, anytime somebody, like needs something i'm i tend to be the person that they go to um and I, I do this to myself um because i don't want my volunteers to feel like they're unsupported because they're volunteers and if they stop feeling like it's worth their time um my my structure collapses so i spend so much time dealing with interpersonal conflicts and like helping people help people that i don't have that much time for myself anymore and that's why it's been two years and i don't have my zuck yet um i'm working on like teaching people chamber speeds instead of hunting a scythe at tob um i am teaching people how to freeze in tob and running eight death raids instead of running you know 17 minute trios with a with a highly coordinated team and i don't know it, it got to me after a while i i started to resent it um because when Precision started up through the first six or so months that the clan was open, um, I was running five clan events a week. So I would come home from work and I would teach people chambers and I was still teaching and we do raids at the same time. And then I was like helping my staff and promoting us on the forums and solving these interpersonal disputes. And I would go to bed every night exhausted without having too much energy to be able to do the things that I'm passionate about. And that feels bad, man. So about six months ago, I told my staff team that I needed to take a little bit of a step back. I needed to focus on me and I wanted to really focus on getting my Zuck Helm. I think this was around the time Combat Achievement Points came out um, because I, I worked really hard to complete every Master Achievement before the, the new system came out. Um, and like overnight, there was so many more people who had the achievements that I had without having to work as hard. Um, and rather than get salty at them, I was like, all right, you're not happy with this. You need to be a grandmaster. Like, let's fucking go. Um, and I've found a much better balance at this point, which is cool. Um, I've kind of taken another step back and I'm putting more of myself into my job, not solving people's problems on Discord when I should be doing my research. Um, I come home and I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one mentoring with people. I teach people Inferno and really I'm relegated to teaching the most endgame content at this point. Um, things like Chamber Speeds, Inferno, Challenge Mode Raids, things that I find engaging and enjoyable. And I rely on my team of admins to maintain the remainder of the structure. Um, and it's been really helpful for me because I have time and energy to pursue the things that I'm actually passionate about. Um, and I, I think that from an outside perspective, this isn't something that like people realize happens. 
every single person who comes to me with a problem, like this, this problem is huge and very real in their life. And if I can't make time and energy for it, it makes them feel like they're not valued. And it's not fair or reasonable for me to expect them to be able to see things from my perspective. I signed up to do this. I need to nut up and do it. Um, but I can express this frustration to my staff. I can make sure that I'm promoting the right people and enough people to be able to support the clan structure that I would like to have and the community that I would like to have without burning myself out. Um, and that was a really hard lesson for me to learn, but I feel like I'm in a much better place now than I was six months ago. I'm, I'm a lot happier. Um, so yeah, that's been pretty cool. <laughs> that's good. So do you, let me ask now that it's been a year of having officially opened the clan, like, do you feel as fulfilled as you would have hoped you would have? I think I had no idea when I opened this place. I had no idea if people were going to like it, if we were going to close in six months. I had no idea what it takes to run a successful clan. And so it's been a process of trial and error every single step along the way. I currently am pretty satisfied with where we are and the place that we're going to from here. Um, I feel fulfilled as a person with my interactions with my community. Um, I feel like I have time to chase my goals and I'm, I have time for, for my research. I have time for my wife. I get enough rest. I'm starting to eat better again. Like I, I feel like I'm in a really good place right now. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we mostly covered uh, the points about influencing clan culture and curbing toxicity. So let's jump down to retaining endgame players in a learner-focused environment, because that's been a really big challenge for me over the last year. How do you convince somebody who has a Zuckhelm or is chasing a Zuckhelm to stay in a learner environment because having people who are that good at the game as active members in my community is one of the things that makes the place really special. Um, having access to, to resources like that, um, I think, is, is part of what makes Precision as great a place as it is. So we have a couple of integrated features in our culture that are directed specifically at endgame players and unapologetically so. The first of which we call Be Precise. Um, this is our clan speed leaderboard. Um, we have every boss at every scale that you can run a combat achievement at, um, and we display the top three times, and we require this to be run only with full clan members. Um, so all of our Cox 5's times are done completely within precision. Um, it gives the the endgame players within our clan something to aspire towards. Um, they want to be the top time on all of the board, um, so they need to be able to make a team within Precision that's able to get those times. It's an incentive to teach people, uh, to make them better, and, and teach them endgame content. Um, Be Precise started out kind of like a joke. There was probably three months where my wife's 90-minute second fire cape was on the JAD board, um, which was really funny. Um, Still proud of her for that, um, but that wasn't quite what we had in mind. And at this point, a year later, um, all of the times on that board are several minutes faster than the Grandmaster time. Um, nice. I think we have two or three Inferno times faster than the Grandmaster time. Um, Cox fives and threes, uh, CMs faster than GM times. Um, so that's been that's been really effective in helping me retain endgame players and keep them interested. Um, 
we have two different sections of voice channels. We have focus channels and we have general channels. And if you put yourself in a general channel, you are open to banter. Anybody can join and talk and ask you questions or talk shit, start their own stream. Um, and if you join a channel in the focused section, that's for coordinated raid teams. And those are still generally open for other people to join. Um, but if you start being disruptive, you're going to be told to shut the fuck up because this is for coordinated raid teams. And we enforce that pretty strictly. Um, it, uh, it started off as kind of a rough system, but... As it took hold, people generally gravitate towards the voice channel section that fits the type of content that they're doing, um, and we're able to sustain both endgame players and casual players at the same time, just like n completely non-verbally, which I think is really, um, really effective. We've talked a little bit about teaching streams and providing endgame players with like clan-sanctioned opportunities to show off how good they are. Um, we know you're good, and we want to gas you up. Um, I wanted to shout out Nice One Idiot, who is absolutely fucking cracked at TOA. Um, dude runs combat achievement boosts. He can do 1 plus 1 500s and pet boosts, transmogs. He's got 1700 expert KC. Um, and he's been running, um, Awakened, uh, DT2 boss, uh, teaching workshops and advanced Tombs of a Masket workshops, uh, about one a week in the clan every week. And... Even though it doesn't quite fit in with our mentorship structure, we gave him a mentor role and we gas him up every week. Um, we advertise his event for him and then we have the best PVMers on the staff team try to show up and show support um, as learners as well so that we communicate to everybody else that this guy's good and you need to listen to him. Um, I've also heard from our endgame players that our lack of activity and split requirements in order to rank up is pretty important to them. Um, a couple of our guys have left Precision to go to uh, Infernal or to Oblivion, and some of them have come back after a couple of months um, because they didn't like uh, being asked to, to do raids with only clan members and split big drops um, in order to be recognized as a member there, um, so they came back to us. Um, retaining endgame players continues to be one of the biggest challenges that I face as a clan leader, but it's gotten easier as the level of PVM that my members are capable of achieving um, has increased. When I'm able to convince one person who's really good at endgame PVM to join and convince them that precision is a place worth investing in, oftentimes they'll bring three to five friends with them. And now I have six endgame players and guaranteed they can find active raiding teams to run the type of raids that they want to run. And then when we get a one-off endgame player joining, they can kind of like attach to that group um, and, and find their place within the community as well. Um, I, I don't actively recruit endgame players because I f find... And, probably a poor generalization, but there's a lot of toxicity in the endgame community, and I'm not interested in teaching people to not be shitty people. I would rather grow my own endgame players. So we play the, the long game in Precision, and it's working so far. Um, you know, people like Astolfo and Glantry, who, you know, showed up with whips and RCBs to their first chambers, are getting their infernal capes and um, thinking about their GM achievements. So that that's really working for us. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I think that's the way to go. Exactly like you said, people that are people that have been high level for a long time mm -hmm. inevitably form these cliques that, you know, right. become toxic. Mm -hmm. And that 
also seems to be a very prominent feature of just high level gaming in general is be toxic right so yeah i think i think playing the long game like you said is probably the way to go although yeah it's it's a tough balance because in order to recruit people people look for a clan that has high level individuals in it so right right so it's right it's, it's a really tough balancing act and one that i've um made a lot of mistakes on along the way but I'm getting better at managing. So, um, you know, you know, live and learn and make mistakes and, and do better. Um, moving on from um, things that are specific to precision, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the clan system influences how casual players experience the game. Because um, the, the clan system has had a really profound effect um, on communities within old school RuneScape. I think that... Uh, with one exception, Jagex has absolutely knocked this out of the fucking park. Um, the clan system is really highly effective. I love that there's an option to like leave and mute the CC without formally leaving the clan. I love that you can guest, that achievements are broadcast, that there's so many customizable ranks. Um, they have Jagex just really knocked it out of the park. And I think that having clan broadcasts has been really influential to the the community as at large sorry um when i first started playing old school clans were held just within friends chats and if you wanted to leave the clan you just clicked leave fc and and that was it um it nowadays um there's an extra step to leave and it feels more final and there's a often a broadcast when you leave as well um communities have a sense of permanence that i feel like they didn't have before um when I first started playing, if you got an achievement, whether it was a drop, a 99, whatever, like you had to physically type it out in the CC, usually with an exclamation point at the end, like 99 cooking, exclamation yep. point. And like you were reliant on other people then like to reject you or to validate your achievement, um, which was hard sometimes because if people didn't agree that the thing that you got was an achievement, you wouldn't get any grats. And like that feels bad, man. But now the game just does it for you, and if nobody grasses you, it doesn't really feel like a, a personal rejection. But most of the time, people are people are happy for you. Um, <laughs> my group does this thing now where every time somebody gets an Awakener's Orb, there is 10 messages in the CC, Orb, exclamation mark. Like, it's just hilarious to me um, how the community has, has taken this, this stupid common broadcast and turned it into this meme. Um, and, you know, there's an Orb emote in our Discord and whatever, and I don't know. It's just a stupid joke that the, the clan system has enabled my community to make. Um, yeah, and, this and is the I, I will also say, I mean, just with the clan system, the, the, the ability to set what is broadcast, it also right. helps a lot. So Right. Um, and it, it helps me to dictate um, the things that I find important and communicate values to my community. I oftentimes get requests and complaints that there's no PvP broadcasts in my group. And like, for one thing, I'm an Iron Man. I, like, I'm good at LMS and I like LMS. I do not like, like, player killing in the wilderness. And I'm not going to endorse it as a group. Um, and I, I'm pretty open about that. Um, I'm, like, I'm open about why specific level broadcasts are or are not uh, broadcast. Because I'm influencing how the group thinks 
uh, of achievements. Um, what's a drop that's considered good enough to be uh, broadcast in Gratzed? Um, and the thing that you see oftentimes with the cleanse system now is like if, if a newer player gets a drop and it's not broadcast, they say it in CC, they're often met with no broadcast, no Gratz. Um, it like it directly influences how players perceive achievements and the fact that I control it um, allows me to tailor what is and isn't an achievement within my community, which I think is really powerful and like maybe not in maybe not specifically an intended consequence um, of implementing that system by by Jagex. Um, the only complaint that I do have uh, about the clan system and. This is a very personal thing. Did you know that uh, the clan system and the group Iron Man system share the same fucking name database? I did not. Wait, so just clan name, right? Yeah, right. So I want the clan name Precision, and there is a duo group Iron Man team with 300 <laughs> fucking total level who haven't logged in in 18 months who have the name Precision, and I can't have it because they have it. <laughs> pisses me off so much and like because they don't log into their accounts i have no way to get in contact with them oh. um it's so like eight months ago i i reached out to madalena on uh on twitter and was like hey is there anything that you could do about this um and she told me exactly what i could do with that idea and from jagex's perspective like that totally makes sense you can't take that name from from that group iron man team because they had it first it's rightfully theirs um but at the same time what the fuck, man? <laughs> we have to be Precision PVM because Precision like is taken by this duo group Iron Man team. That, uh, that's such a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah, that's wait, wait. So they would, if like theoretically, if they logged in, they could change their name, and you could change yours as well. Yeah. So when I opened Precision, it was Precision RS, and then um, right before those two toxic endgame players left that I was talking about earlier, uh, one of them shot me a DM being like, I just wanted to let you know, I, I don't think that you really run a PVM clan. You run a social clan that happens to do some PVM, which one, dick move. Uh, two, I logged in and changed the clan name to Precision PVM. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we have we have the ability to, to change the clan name. I think you can change it like once a week or something. Um, and I don't know if Group Ironmen can change their name. Um, I, I'll have to ask some Group Irons about that. The fact that if, if Group Ironmen can't change their name and they're linked to clans, that's messed up. Like, the fact that you can't change that ever. Right. That's yeah, really that, dumb. That, <laughs> it, it pisses me off. But, like, if that's my biggest gripe with the clan system, like, 100% Jagex has still knocked this yeah. out of the park. Um, it and it, it's really made the game better in a lot of really valuable ways. Um, yeah, so I wanted to touch briefly on how to find a clan that fits your playstyle. Um, I think that a lot of people don't know that you primarily find clans through the old school RuneScape forums. That is the number one place to find actively recruiting clans that aren't famous enough to have just name recognition like Oblivion or Valiance. Um, and you can just scroll through the forums within the first couple of pages to find, like, read read the clan descriptions, what their rank-up system is like, like, and you get a, a picture for what the leadership values, um, which is really cool. And it sorts by bumps, so if Precision PVM is the is the top one on, on the front page, that means that I have bumped that thread recently, um, and my clan is active in recruiting. So that's also a like a, a positive system in, in my mind. 
Um, the other place where you can find clans is on the Old School RuneScape Discord. They have a clan section, and every clan is allowed to make uh, essentially a forum post there to advertise. I would say that I get 70% of my new members through the Old School RuneScape forums. Um, I get 15 20% um, through the Old School RuneScape Discord when I was recruiting there. And I don't anymore. And the rest of my members come through uh, referrals from friends. One of the things that I'm really proud about, about Precision, is if you like Google something like how to learn PVM in old school RuneScape, my forum post is the top Google link. Like, that's cool as fuck. <laughs> I get a whole bunch of people who Google things like, how do I learn how to raid? How do I learn PVM in old school RuneScape? And my forum post comes up, and then they join my Discord because my Discord link is there. That's um, awesome. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Completely unintentional. It just it just worked, I guess. I, I, I guess that, that post has had enough traction uh, over the last year that, um, I don't know, Google thinks that it's a legit link, even though um, it's just a stupid forum post. <laughs> Um, so if you're somebody who's actively searching for a clan, um, you need to decide what is it that you're looking for out of a community. Are you looking for endgame PVM and like max F raids? Are you looking for a group to hang out with? Are you looking for a place that's like social, but still does some PVM because there's buzzwords that we put in our clan titles that like are, are meant to let you know what kind of a place we are. Precision is a PVM clan, um, and I advertise as a PVM teaching clan. Um, there are social PVM clans that um, are, like, for casual PVMers, people who want to do TOBs every day but, like, aren't trying to get good at TOB. Um, and those are a great place to be, too. There are purely social clans who have absolutely no requirements to get in, um, and it's just a, a place for people of all walks of life to hang out and play the game together if you're just looking to have a community and people to say grats when you get an achievement. And we have hardcore skilling clans um, that, that focus on things like who can get the most XP. And um, if you're able to define the thing that you're looking for, then you can make a very intentional search about what kind of community you're looking to join. You read the forum posts about these places and find something that resonates with you. And it's usually open gusting policy in people's discords as well as within their CC. So you can hang out in the CC for a day or two and like, what's the vibe in the clan? What's the leadership like? Um, how often are people on and like actively raiding together and stuff? These things are, are really important. Um, I, I see a lot of clans are like not hostile, but wary of guests because you're somebody that we don't know. We don't know anything about you. You could be a dick and it's safer to play with our friends. Um, so guesting sometimes doesn't always give an authentic experience. Um, and I, I don't have a solution for that. It just is how old school RuneScape is. Um, but you can jump around from place to place and see where you vibe with and like give it a shot. Um, and like once you've gone through the process of figuring out what's important to you and like I don't know, making a list of places that are that are potentials for you. It's pretty easy to hop between places and find the place that you really resonate with, and that's the clan for you. Um, because I, I I do firmly believe that there is a clan out there for everybody. There is a community where you will fit in, no matter how you play the game and what your goals are. There are other people who play this game who think and feel similarly to you, and your gameplay can be enhanced by joining these communities and and finding these people. Um, yeah, so uh, that is how I would go about finding a clan. 
Um, I'm keeping an eye on the time a little bit here. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about RuneLight plugins as a PVM teaching tool, um, because I, I think that it's often underrated how much RuneLight can help um, can, can help you figure out uh, how to PVM better. And I, I'm not just talking about things like TrueTile and Visual Metronome, things that like everybody has turned on. Um, we had a first fire cape in our clan, uh, shout out Husker Freak, uh, last week. And the person who was coaching him through that fire cape had him download the fire cape spawn predictor plugin before he started. And I shot her a DM and I was like, I don't think that that's the right plugin for him. Like that's going to overload him with information that he's not ready to use. Um, and she told me to stuff it. Uh, so I did. Um, and I, I sat back and, and watched this guy go. And around wave 40, something really cool happened. He was like, oh, then Mage on the next wave is going to spawn off in Narnia. I should walk over there while I'm killing the last couple of monsters here so that I'm right up close to it when it spawns. And I was like, holy shit, yes! Like, yes, that is exactly how you get good at the fight caves. Like, it's all about, like positioning and like being proactive with where you are and that plugin highlighted that information for him and made it apparent that that was the thing that was important that he needed to focus on without like anybody ever having to explain it to him um it was really incredible to see um and and we see that with a whole bunch of other different plugins as well um i love the pathfinder plugin um, I use that to teach people how pathing works in, in old school RuneScape. Um, and I, I often have people download that plugin as they start uh, doing Tombs of a Masket for the first time. Because something that learners frequently die to is acid pools in Zabak and those fucking venom trails from the cursed baboons in the yep. monkey puzzle. Yep. Hate the monkey puzzle. Hate that shit. Um, <laughs> it's going to get better eventually, right? Yeah. Has that update hit where the no, uh, it volatile it, ones explode? It passed the poll, but it hasn't hit yet. Okay. Um, what the Pathfinder plugin does is it uh, it highlights the tiles that your true tile is going to be on. When you download the plugin, you explain to them what it does. And then I'll usually demonstrate how you can jump over venom and acid pools to improve your pathing uh, using this plugin. And then I don't mention it again, and I just let them go. Um, but because it's highlighting critical information that would otherwise not be obvious to, to somebody who's new to PVM, it really accelerates the pace at which they're able to grasp these complex mechanics um, that or, you know, it's fucking jank that you teleport over stuff. Like, Jagex, what are you doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so things like the the visual metronome, I think, are are really powerful. Um, I used the visual metronome to to do All Praise the Back um, and No Time for a Drink. Those are the two No Prayer Loss uh, achievements. What I would do is, like, just make note with the visual metronome plugin, which tick... Uh, I needed to have my prayer on, and then I was just, okay, I turn prayer on on three, turn prayer off on four, I don't lose any prayer points. And within about 10 minutes, I was able to, like, pick it up, and, and I had the muscle memory down for it, but it, it would have taken me a lot more time and frustration to, to ascend that learning curve if I didn't have that information displayed on my screen for me. Um, the last plugin that I, I wanted to talk about uh, gets a lot of a lot of shit from the Tob community, and that's that new Nylower plugin. Have you played with that one at all? No, I, I haven't really done much Tob other than just last month with with Prison Joe, his Tob Tuesday. Mm -hmm. but yeah. So uh, the Nylower plugin is a relatively new plugin that puts the wave number on the Nylos as they come down the tracks. Um, 
which if you are somebody who has memorized the Nyla waves traditionally is 100% a crutch. Um, and I am unabashedly using this plugin to, uh, because it, pre it presents information in a way that makes sense to my brain. Um, I'm able to create anchor waves for myself. I'm memorizing both the color and like size of the Nilo and coordinating that with the wave number um, and using that to be able to memorize the next two or three waves after that so that I'm able to nail my pre-fires. Um, and it's really helpful for me in like identifying when my doubles are gonna come up and, and kind of making that uh, muscle memory. It's yeah, just kind of accelerating the ascent up the learning curve. And I, I think that RuneLight does a really really good job with this. It's it's absolutely possible to use all of these plugins as a crutch and like to avoid truly learning the mechanics. Um, but if you're somebody who actually wants to get good at the game, you can use these plugins to, to make your time learning a, a hell of a lot easier. Um, Let me ask you just, Britt, this is a little bit off topic, but just what is your um, stance on RuneLight plugins in general? This is something I like to ask because, um, I mean, clearly you're you've you're pretty good at pvm it sounds like uh, at this point and you've spent a lot of time doing it so do you have a line where you think plugins are inappropriate to uh enter the game or are you pretty liberal with uh plugins that um, are coming in i think that jagex has done a reasonable job finding like placing a hard line in the sand in what is essentially a, a very gray area um i think that more critical information being displayed on your screen is net beneficial for the game. Um, but I think that things that are telling you how to respond to the information are generally inappropriate. Um, so like if we take the, the Nylower plugin, all it's doing is displaying the wave number on the screen. I have to synthesize what to do with that information in order for it to be effective. Um, but the, the plugin that used to be on Cheat Client that would like display the ticks until a Nilo explodes. I think that that one crosses the line. That's information that like should be hidden and you should have to figure out for yourself. Um, sometimes I have trouble figuring out what should and shouldn't be okay. Um, in regards to No Monkey's uh, big series of videos, I I agree that the way that he was using that uh, audio cue plugin was the right way to be using that plugin. I, I didn't think that that should be against the rules. Um, but a lot of the stuff that Jagex has taken off of the plugin hub, I think they were correct in doing so. Okay. Is there any plugin that's currently in the game that you think is crossing the line that hasn't been addressed by Jagex? Um, I'm going to need to think about that for 30 seconds or so. If, um, if none come to mind, that's probably a sign that there isn't any, but I think quest helper like pushes the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, like yeah, if you don't like it. questing, like, yeah, if you don't like questing, like it, it just makes a part of the game that you don't enjoy go by faster. So kind of like whatever. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. Well, Mod Ed made a great point. He said, you know, questing's not for everybody, and Quest Helper has actually enabled players that love the story but don't actually like the random stuff that you have to do in a lot of tedious quests. Mm -hmm. Quest Helper gets rid of that nonsense and allows you to enjoy the story more. So he has his own point, which is cool because he was against Quest Helper initially, and then he realized there's actually a benefit to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I, I I guess I just ask mainly because I don't even have my own thoughts formulated correctly. Like I I don't I don't know where the line should be drawn on certain things. I think it's all just 
uh, case yeah. by case, I guess. Yeah, it's very case by case, but I, I generally think that Jagex has a decent understanding of what is and isn't healthy for the game long term. Um, and I know that that's not a view that's widely shared amongst the endgame community. Um, but Old School RuneScape is a really great game. Um, and it's a really great game because of the decisions that the devs have made over the past 10 years. And I I often give them some grace and think about, like, um, th there's probably information that they're considering that I don't have. So I try to withhold judgment if a plugin that I personally like is taken off of the plugin hub. Um, and again, I, I don't have an, an immediate example of that, but there's there's been a couple where I'm like, man, if that one got taken down, I like that guy. Yep. <laughs> um okay so i'm i'm nearing the end of my a long list of talking points here um i wanted to talk a little bit about how combat achievements and the points system has influenced pdm mentorship um and player skill level um i was initially a uh, team gm to babies and billy bob waiting for pull 69 like, it, there absolutely should not be a point system. You need to learn how to do every PVM encounter in the game, and that's the thing that gives the, the Verzik Helm and the Zuck Helm prestige. Um, and I am not ashamed to admit that I was wrong. Um, since the point system came out, I have seen such a huge surge of people who would never touch things like Slayer bosses or different kinds of raids uh, or, or learn core game mechanics um, attempting them and, and, and asking questions about them because they now don't have to learn the one piece of content that they're absolutely dreading learning in order to get their Jad Helm or their Verzik Helm. Um, but along the way, they do take their medicine and, and like learn some of the things that they would not have otherwise learned. So I, I think that both the combat achievement system as well as the point system has done wonders for the average player's skill level within the game. Um, combat achievements are near and dear to my heart. I think it is the single best update that Jagex has ever implemented in this game, and it has shaped my PVM experience entirely um, because it came out the, like, the week that I, I started to learn PVM. Um, I've learned so many core mechanics and fallen on my ass so many times trying to get some of these frustrating combat achievements and like there is no feeling like completing perfect tob or getting your sub 65 inferno um or for me it was getting my my gm trio cm time um i i got that guy before toa gear came out um it it, it is like really driven how I see and interact with the game. Um, and the fact that they've made it more accessible to the general user base while not harming the prestige of the Zuckhelm, I think has been net really positive for the game. Um, so yeah, shout out Jagex there. I was, I was wrong as fuck. Um, while we're on the subject of combat achievements, I wanted to shout out the combat achievement discord. I have done a lot of my combat achievements there. It is a, a Discord server with several thousand members that is free to join and be a member of. And there are teams forming 24 hours a day to do uh, primarily master and grandmaster level combat tasks. So you don't have to join a PVM clan or have friends in order to get your Zuckhelm. It has really lowered the barrier to entry for a lot of these truly difficult team tasks. Um, and I, I, I personally feel like those team tasks are 
critical. Um, I, I know a lot of people think like, oh, I shouldn't have to rely on four other people to play perfectly uh, in, in order to get this combat achievement, but it, it's so much fun sending a 24-minute 5 CM. Like, and you may never have experienced that unless it was required of you. Um, I, I think that the team dynamic and splitting into roles, coordinating together and communicating effectively are all essential skills to be a good PVMer. Um, and my my extra hot take is that the Toa 8-man speed, the sub-18 minutes, one of the best tasks in the Combat Achievement Diary. It was so <laughs> much fun. It was um, fun, that's for sure. I, it, so I, I was I was again fortunate in that respect because um, I I did it the week it I so I, I pulled my shadow three days before the Toa achievements came out um, and I, I did the eight man time um, with a bunch of GMs who were trying to get their Zuckhelms back so I was able to get it within the first week of those tasks coming out and it man, it was just so much fun I, I think it took probably three sessions of five hours uh, for us to to nail that time but. I don't know, we just flew through that raid. I, I've not really experienced a lot of raids like that since then, but I sign up for um, for opportunities to be able to send those times with other people and help them feel the same thing that I did. Um, and on that note, uh, Lord J-Rays, the uh, god of CAs himself, has opened another combat achievement Discord, and it's a free boosting Discord. Um, he, he has some of the best PVMers in the game, uh, Turbo Smurf comes to mind and a whole bunch of other people from Oblivion who show up every day and take people who have master combat achievements done and can't find teams for the Grandmaster team tasks and they boost you through it for free. Um, that is crazy. For free. <laughs> for free. 100% free. And and like so they, they advertise in the CA Discord all the time. J-Rays is fucking cracked he will run one plus seven perfection of hats on the first try it's insane oh, he'll run goodness. one plus seven perfection of hats i like p hats and and all praise the backs um i <laughs> i just can't even fathom the skill level to be able to do that and he does it for free just because he enjoys it because in in his words the best way to get good at at doing max f pvm is to carry people through grandmaster team tasks don't already have the time and it's it's a philosophy that i absolutely ascribe to um so yeah join the combat achievement discord and find jrays's server it's very active the people in there are um running these cas every single day and it lowers the barrier to getting a zuck helm for people who struggle to find teams but have the mechanical ability to be able to do it so i, I think it's a wonderful uh yeah, it's, it's a wonderful server and, and service that they offer. And for those listening, down in the description, I'll have all these links. I'll, I'm going to ask you after the cast. Just no, I'll get, to, I'll get, get it for get, you. Get a bunch. So down in the description, boys, if you guys are interested in joining any of these discords or clans, just go down there. The resources will be down there in the links. Um, So the last talking point that I had before we go back to IRL stuff, um, I, I wanted to talk about some of the problems with Reddit. Um. And there's such a conflict between the endgame community and the people on Reddit. And I personally have been growing more and more frustrated with Reddit as a community over the last couple of months. And this last week, I, I feel like I kind of had an epiphany and realized what I think the predominant problem with Reddit is. And it's a combination of the Dunning-Kruger effect and confirmation bias. 
So the Dunning-Kruger effect is um, where like somebody who is new to something thinks that they have learned everything that there is to know. So they're overconfident about uh, the, the opinions that they're expressing and, and as a result can become close-minded to learning new things. Whereas somebody who has been doing it for a long time um, will have a much more nuanced perspective and also be aware of all of the things that they don't know. So people who are ignorant and lack knowledge oftentimes are overconfident and their opinions are overexpressed. And the problem with Reddit is that you have so many people like that congregated in one place that they just kind of echo chamber back and forth um, and, and like reinforce this really negative view um, of the game. And I had a, I had a couple of examples that I, I want to bring up. Um, I, I had a there was a post a couple of weeks ago that I commented on about, um, it was something about tombs um, and what was going to be the most effective uh, GP per hour. And I had this guy arguing with me for probably an hour saying things like, you need to go back to elementary school and learn some basic math about how 300 level raids were more GP per hour than 400 level raids. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Blew my mind. And like, he's so confident about it that he's talking down to me like I'm a fucking fifth grader. I have a PhD. Like, fuck you. <laughs> it just made me so mad. Um, and, it, and it makes me as, as an end game player and as a teacher not want to engage with the community. Um, there was, uh, I, I was in a post, uh, another post about, um, like requirements for Tob where there was a, a guy who was arguing with me for, again, probably an hour about how Tob is the only raid of the three where defense lowering spec weapons do not matter. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? It's just like blatantly not correct. Like, we're so role specialized trying to figure out how to insta zero all of the bosses so that we have consistent passage through all of the rooms and like can consistently get fast times it and other people are just echoing the same sentiment and like reinforcing it and people who haven't been exposed to this content before now have that same opinion about that content and i don't know it just it really rubs me the wrong way, and it makes me want to not engage with that community anymore, well, which is... Go it, ahead. It doesn't help that, like, Reddit is pretty anonymous. Like, you see a username, right. you have no idea who they are. With, now, Twitter or X is not... I mean, it's similar anonymous. where you could just see a name and have no idea who they are, but at least you're generally using one account, and you can click on their profile very conveniently, see who they actually are. Um and get takes. Now, I actually will disagree with you on saying that uh, Reddit tends to see things negative. I actually think Reddit generally sees the game as a game and sees it as just like, we want fun, we want fun updates. But I think, I that, that. I, I think that could also be a negative occasionally only because mm -hmm. um, when it becomes too extreme, I see the argument like, it's pretty much just like, let anything go because it's just a game. It, I've even seen a really strange argument like saying, you know, the people that cheat or the people that bought, like, just let them do it. Just enjoy yourself. Like, just quit quit worrying about what others are doing. And that is just flawed, in my opinion. It's just right, because not it a great way to look into, at it. Yeah, it doesn't take into account the long-term health of the game. And, like, yeah. when, when endgame players like you and I are shooting down updates like forestry, and I don't know where you're at with sailing, but I'm 
I'm real nervous about sailing. And it's not because I don't want to get another 99. Like, motherfucker, I have 23 of them. Like, you think I can't get a 24th? I I'm going to degen for two weeks and be done. I'll have my max gate back. Like, I'm worried about the, like, the game-changing effects. This is going to touch every single aspect of old-school RuneScape. And I love this game. Like, I I'm worried that the game that I love is going to change into something that I don't recognize anymore. Like... I don't know why it's so many people in in my community really love forestry and i'm like it man we don't need cookie clicker fucking wood cutting like yep. that's that's it's a thing that makes old school old school to me like you click on the tree you eventually get some logs it's an afk slow gathering skill like it's just core to the game yeah. um no and i, I i'll I, just I'll, I'll i'll say my point of view on sailing um well i voted no I did too. First, uh, and that might actually come as a surprise to some people. And I think partially the reason I voted no is not because I never want a new skill or I never want sailing to enter the game. In fact, I actually still have hope that sailing will be a successful update and it will be a net positive, I'm hoping. Now, I have no, obviously nothing to base that off of. But my concern is that we haven't addressed the core problem with skilling in my eyes. This is my own opinion, but I don't think skilling is in a good place, and I don't think it ever has been. I think it's continually gotten worse and worse and worse. There's been good updates, don't get me wrong, but generally, we as a community and I don't and, and the devs, I don't think any of us have a real vision for what skilling should be, and no skilling, almost no skilling, is rewarding enough, and it's not fun Maybe. enough. It's boring as fuck. <laughs> and there's like just a fundamental issue so in just introducing an entirely new skill i think something else needs to be addressed beforehand so that's why i voted now 100 percent agree I, I think that they've taken steps in the right direction over the last couple of years i personally really like tempros i did a big ass pet grind there um post max uh, a couple months ago um and guardians of the rift too like it i think that those are steps in the right direction um because they're um, they're engaging and competitive XP rates and they're worth doing because they give you rewards that you take back into the traditional method that you train that skill with. They complement um, the rest of the skill. Totally. Yeah, it, it complements it rather than like taking it over. And I, I feel like forestry has taken over woodcutting and yeah. like, I, I love woodcutting. Like it's, it's stupid. It's simple. You click a tree, you get logs, but like I, that's what old school is. And I, I don't disagree with your point that skilling is in a bad spot. But I, I don't know how to fix skilling in a way that doesn't make it not feel old school. The, the, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just say my point on forestry. Like forestry simply, yes, there was, there was a problem with woodcutting. There was. But the, pro, the, the fix was not to just revolutionize what the skill is entirely across the board. It was simply like we can look... Uh, we can have an honest conversation about, okay, like, there's clearly some imbalances with trees, for example. Like, chopping a magic tree should not be absolutely useless at 99. Like, just dog yep. shit money, dog shit XP. Like, there can mm -hmm. be some rebalances made. Tree mechanics, like, they fixed tree mechanics, which was great, I, I thought. Yeah, um, I love that. And there was a lot of things they did. I just think they go overboard sometimes, and it's just unnecessary completely. But... Mm -hmm. The problem is people like for people that like forestry and think it was a great update is because they saw what it was before and what it is after. They don't see what it could have been. 
It's just yeah. this, they think this is a net uh, positive or whatever over what we originally had, which there are arguments for that. Like I actually, mm-hmm. I don't quite agree, but I can see the points where I would agree. And it just sucks because we just see this is all it can be instead of having a more open dialogue about it and really considering like keeping this old school, fixing some things, changing the balance and addressing other concerns rather than just here it is, this is the only thing you get or nothing. I don't know. And I often don't feel heard when I talk about these things because people are like, oh, well, you suffered through woodcutting, so you just want me to suffer too. And like, yep, that, that's, 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 that's not weird. it. Like, yeah, that like that's, that's not what it is. Like, I have fucking 32 million woodcutting XP and the pet. I, like, I'm not touching the skill again. I don't give a shit. Um, but it fundamentally changes the core gameplay loop in, in old school RuneScape. And the fact that it's so widely accepted by the casual player base tells me that my idea of old school isn't important to the community anymore. Yep. And that really worries me because I, I think more updates like this are going to come out in the future. And like the, the game's going to start turning into something that I don't recognize. And like that, that's a valid argument and a valid concern that has nothing to do with, Oh, you should suffer like I did. Like, no. It has, it, it, yeah, no, they're, they're projecting what they think we feel. <laughs> that is absolutely right. not what we And then feel. when I tell them how I'm feeling, they're like, oh, you just don't want to get a 24th 99. Like, no, I'm telling you how I feel. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> yeah. Or or they say, or they say, like, you're a boomer. Just, just something like, you know, name call or just right. anything to not address what your actual concern is. Yeah. Yeah, not good. I don't know. I just... That, that has been bubbling up in me over the last week as people have been talking about forestry and sailing and I saw an opportunity to uh, get on my soapbox so I took it. <laughs> no, it's it's refreshing to hear other people sharing the same opinion because like you say, Reddit's an echo chamber. Twitter's also an echo chamber, generally in the other direction. Mm-hmm. But you know, at least there's a little bit more dialogue going on and you can actually have a thread of you know people that you can actually, you know, correlate with a person like a player and uh you can actually see how they feel and uh yeah i don't know it's it's just tough because i also have to keep in mind like i am not who decides what this game should be all i can do is just say how i feel about it like at the end of the day the game is kind of run as a democracy and if like Mm -hmm. the majority of the player base even though they have maybe in my opinion uneducated (laughs) uh you know just views on what the game should be. Who am I to, I don't, yeah, it's, it's just tough. It's just tough. I, yeah. I feel like I'm in a bind and I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I would feel better if I just felt like people heard and understood and said, I still disagree with you. Like th- that's better than where we're at. So yeah. I don't know if that was kind of where I wanted to go. Um, So that was uh, almost the end of my long list of talking points. You want to talk about psychedelics for a bit? Absolutely. Let's uh, first take a little break. I'm going to go pee. Absolutely. I'm going to do the same. Okay. I'll be right back. We were, we were going to discuss psychedelics because I think that that is, um, I I think psychedelic use is common within the community. And I've heard you talk about having a bad trip before. Um, my, my wife and I have done psychedelic assisted therapy, um, multiple times over the last eight months and it's really changed our lives for the better. Um, my wife is here with me now. You want to say hi, Maya? Hi. Okay. Hello. Um, she has anything to say or corrections like go ahead and speak up but um no no pressure um 
So psychedelic-assisted therapy is really fucking cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the science behind it. Um, this was first explored as a potential means for therapy in the 1960s. Um, I, the first uh, case study was in 1963 by uh, Dr. K. Parley, um, and it was meant to be uh, used as a treatment for depression, anxiety, uh, and actually alcoholism as well. Um, before in the 1970s, I believe it was uh, reclassed as a class one substance, like kind of on the same level as heroin. Um, and all research has ceased since then. Um, it's since become uh, decriminalized in some places. So, so the idea behind uh, psychedelic assisted therapy is that uh, psychedelics expand your consciousness um, and allow you to access memories and trauma that might have been repressed. Um, and it, it, it allows you to bring it to the surface so that you can process it. Um, and, and then you stop feeling the, the long-term effects uh, that that trauma was had on, has had on your life. And that's different than just taking three grams of shrooms and like putting on some EDM and, and tripping out. Um, it, it's a very controlled environment where you undergo psychotherapy before you take the drug with somebody who is trained to deal with it um, and, and deal with emergency situations during, and then there's integration sessions afterwards. Um, so my wife and I uh, do, the, they're called breathwork ceremonies. Um, we go to them about once a month and it's group psychedelic enhanced therapy. Um, what happens is we we show up um there's usually 15 to 20 people who are participating um and we're the last two of them have been actually outdoors and out in the mountains um so we set up our mats on the ground outside in a clearing in the mountains um and we meditate and we talk about the things that are going on in our lives it's a it's a very open and vulnerable environment for you to talk about the things that you're about to process. Um, and that's really important because you need to feel like you're in a safe place in order to properly deal with the trauma that comes up. Um, you take usually psilocybin paired with MDMA. Um, psilocybin expands your consciousness and MDMA lowers your inhibition. So you're less afraid when trauma comes up. Um, there's a, a really interesting quote from Dr. Parley uh, in her first case study. Um, You're off on a trip with no baggage, no destination, and no compass. That's why I'm here. I can't go with you, but I can be your anchor. Wherever you go, you'll always be able to see me. I'll be the nurse who sits behind your, beside your bed, taking notes and playing your records. You'll never lose touch with me. Seeing me, you'll know you're really in a hospital and that you'll be back to Earth at about 4 o'clock. I'll send you signals, too, to encourage your explorations. I'll remind you of places you've longed to revisit and events you've hoped to scan. And that's kind of what it's like. We, After we've set our intentions and um, relaxed and meditated, they pass out the medicine. It's between one and a half and three grams of psilocybin, usually with an MDMA at the same time. Um, you start doing holotropic breathing, which is... Um, it, it's a breathing technique that's kind of like hyperventilation, and it's meant to take you back to times in your life where you felt scared. You're physiologically like making your body think that you're scared as the drug takes effect. 
Um, and then you, you sit blindfolded on the mat there playing loud tribal music in the background and fucking hold on, come what may. Um, the actual trip is usually very uncomfortable. Um, I have had three separate traumatic experiences um, taking doing this therapy um, because I had a lot of trauma prior in life that I had left unaddressed. Um, but the facilitators are there like to, to, they're not taking the medicine. They're there to help you feel safe. During my first ceremony, I, I was terrified. I had no idea what the drug was going to taste, uh, was, was the, the medicine was, was going to do to me. Um, it, how it was going to feel like, and, and once it takes effect, there's no going back. There's nothing you can do to get out. Um, the music was loud and scary. The, the guy next to me was yelling and the girl on my other side was crying. Um, and I, I felt completely alone and like unsafe and the facilitators were were over like you know rubbing my back saying you are safe you can work through this like it, it turned into a really positive environment for me and then once the effects of the medicine wear off you integrate with everybody else in the group you you talk about the things that you see and explore their potential meanings in your life um, usually you spend the night at whatever place it is. Uh, when we're out in the mountains, we camp. Um, and then we wake up the next morning and, and do another integration session with the group. Um, and then everybody goes home. The integration takes place over the course of the next two weeks. And uh, the first time that I heard about that, I was like, mm, nah, don't believe you. Um, and But that's exactly what happened. I, I found myself like when things would pop up in my life that were related to the trauma that I had processed, I was aware of them and I was able to kind of connect the dots and then like divest the two from each other so that that trauma wasn't having the same effect on my life anymore. Um, it has, it completely changed my wife's life. Um, she had a, a chronic illness for years and nobody we couldn't even really get people to believe that there was something wrong with her, that this scientist who ran marathons all of a sudden couldn't get out of bed anymore. Um, and she tried every treatment under the book in the States. And then when we moved to Canada, um, she tried a whole bunch of treatments here before they finally re uh, referred her to this to this group that, that does this uh, breathwork ceremony. And after her first ceremony, it was like she was a completely different person. Um, she has gone over the last eight months from being bedridden to working as a professional gardener, like out working outside uh, all day on her feet, like exercising. It's incredible. Um, and it, it's had a similar effect on me. I, I When I moved up here to, to do my postdoc in Canada, um, it was in the middle of the pandemic in winter, and I was working in a new field. Um, and because I don't do anything the easy way, I was also hit by a car the week before I moved up here. <laughs> I it, I kind of fell into a dark place over the last couple of years, and I, I I didn't understand or have words for the things that were happening to me. And I came out of my first session, and m my big realization was I don't feel safe like at all. And I was able to start pinpointing the areas in my life that were like causing me anxiety and like kind of remove the anxiety response from them. Um, I explored further in my second session and it was after my second session that I had my, my life changing breakthrough um, that I, 
I think I would be willing to DM to you, but I'm going to keep off the internet. Um, And that was, um, that was about a month ago, I think. And and since then, my life has just been on a a consistent upswing. Um, I I feel whole again. I I feel understood. Um, and, And like, it's, not thanks to, like it's not because of the psilocybin but the psilocybin was the catalyst that allowed me to explore these issues in my life um and, and make really meaningful changes um so yeah the psilocybin assisted therapy has absolutely changed my life over the last eight months um yeah if she has an, anything to say um no she's She's okay. gonna be shy. Um, I, I, I've the the thing that made me want to talk about this with you is because I heard that you had had a really bad trip, and um, I, I also had a really bad trip um, last weekend. Um, I, I've had some sensory defensiveness issues, like things like bright light and noise that I can't control, um, were like causing me physical pain, um, and. I, I came in and, and took the medicine after having um, a, a different traumatic life experience. Somebody in my family is very ill, and I, I went home to visit them and then came back to to, uh, to Canada and went right to a breathwork ceremony, which is probably dumb. Um, and what I felt during that trip was, like, we, we took a higher dose of psilocybin than we usually had. And there was like particulate in it as well, um, which is known to cause nausea. So I was both like my senses were overwhelmed and um, I was nauseous the whole time. I felt deeply, deeply sick. Um, and the the thing that I took away from that is I, I f- am feeling the pain of my family member who's sick. Like I'm now viscerally connected to that mm. pain and suffering and solidarity with them. Um, and, I eventually my senses got too overloaded and I, I needed to, to just be removed from the circle before the experience was over. But that was terrifying. But what ended up coming out of it is that my wife was able to like help me through that experience um, and like bring me back to earth. And like it, it really reinforced a bond of trust between us. So even though I had a really shitty trip, I was still able to learn something from it because the environment where I took the medicine was right. Um, yeah, and that was the thing I had to talk about. <laughs> it's no, I, I always love hearing about people with really positive experiences with it. I, um, because, you know, for several months I was taking it, you know, not under a clinical setting or anything. Mm-hmm. And most trips were just, breathtaking i mean just seriously like and and i would implement things that i learned from it directly after i mean that was i mean seriously i have those trips have like directly impacted how i think about fitness and health now like completely i Mm -hmm. i don't try microdosing uh yeah i did for a, a time but the problem was was you know after having two traumatic trips back to back and this is the problem is like when it's not under a clinical setting, you don't really know what's sparking these things because with those two, with the two final trips I did, it was mixed with, uh, THC. Ooh. So, 
I don't know exactly what was, you know, the catalyst of the whole bad experience. But what I do know is that initially the trip goes fine. And then as soon as I start inhaling the THC, that's when everything goes south. THC for me induces like paranoia and panic sometimes. And I think if I combined that with psilocybin, like I 100% understand why that was a shitty trip. That would, that sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah, but I I had done it before lightly, and uh, occasionally it would make the trip way better. You know, just mm-hmm. way, just, you know, just wrapped in arms of love, just entirely. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of hit or miss. But those two final, especially the uh, second one, the the final one I did was um, it was scary because I began. I I feel like it was almost a psychotic break. Yeah. Uh, um, something mild. I can't say it was full on, but even the after effects, um, just, you know, a couple weeks after that traumatic event, like I had just tried to see if I could even enjoy THC in any amount. And instantaneously, I'm getting flashbacks to the most hellish parts of the last trip I had. Oh, I'm sorry, man. And, and and so the concern is just like there is dangers with this, with, you know, drugs and medicine and, you know, whatever it be. But like my concern was just I am now unaware of what the effects can be in the future. And so like I've since stayed away from it mainly because even though I know there's so much positive that can happen from it, I'm not fully sure. And having that really scary like the, the mm-hmm. flashbacks happening it was like okay if i if i continue to do this in any sense at all it could lead me back to a sense of you know mild schizophrenia mild psychosis mm-hmm. uh, potentially you know more psych- psychotic symptoms and yeah. uh, that was the real scary thing but it sucks that i had to say sucks that I have to say that because for so long I was a big advocate for uh, right. medicine in general. And I, I do think for most people that have a healthy mind, it can be like one of the most game-changing experiences in your life. You like you think if you've not taken psilocybin, like it, it sounds like we're like like we're making shit up. And, and I thought the same thing the first time I took medicine. I, I I was like, I, I don't think that this is going to be a life-changing experience, but I'm curious to see what happens. And I was wrong. It was absolutely, it changed my life. From the first time I took it, it changed my life. Um, and largely for the better. I, I, I kind of have a, a similar fear response because my, my the last time I took medicine was traumatic. Um, I, I It was really a terrifying experience for me because I, yeah, I had that much discomfort and I was, uh, you know, 90 minutes away from home out in the mountains in Canada um, and so it, it, it gives me anxiety thinking about taking it again. Um, but I, I think that I'm going to, I think I'm going to give it another shot. And if I have another really bad experience, then, then maybe I'll be done. And, and even if I stop, I think I'll be satisfied that, um, it positively changed my life. But it's interesting that you mentioned MDMA mixing that, cause I've never done that, but if that would, you know, control the fear potentially and allow you to just take away something without it being so traumatic that would be uh, interesting but you still feel fear but it's like it, you're less anxious and more open to facing the trauma if that mm. makes sense 
it's it's still a scary experience, but it lets you go further into it so that you can integrate more afterwards. Um, uh, my wife says it suppresses the amygdala. Mm. <laughs> Which is like the fear center. Speak up, honey. I see. No, no, I heard that. The fear center in the brain. So it helps suppress that so you're not as like emotionally connected to these memories you're accessing. That's a good way to put it. It's like they, they, they tell you to like, they tell you you're going to see exactly what you need to see and don't fight it, just watch it like a movie, and then we'll process it together afterwards, which makes it seem less scary to me. Um, and yeah, the the ceremony that we did where I'm describing a bad trip that was three grams of psilocybin and no MDMA, um, I, I think that the MDMA would have helped a little bit, but um, I don't know, I'm, I, 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 like, I, I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> So I'm not the fix you doctor. I'm the correct you doctor. <laughs> this is a little bit more on the mystical side of things, if you don't mind me asking. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what have you learned, I guess, uh, in regards to like meaning of life slash mysticism in general? I don't know if you guys are religious and, or, or not, but, uh, I, we're, we're not, um, you experience a much more like mystical sense during, you want to talk about that? Um, you could say no. Uh, sure, it'll be winging it a little bit. I'm not as prepared as you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, in one of my experiences, I had a lot of trauma to get through. It took so it it took till my third experience to have like a truly positive euphoric um, journey. But when I did, it kind of illuminated probably an experience shared by a lot of people that the fat like the fabric of the universe and us and everything is made of the same thing it's all made of love there's no like separation between me and you and anybody it's all interconnected and it's all interwoven and it's all positive um there's like an inherent safety. There's like the fabric of the universe that's wrapped around you. And so you might not see it in your normal consciousness, but it's uh, kind of cushioning you. So you're safe to jump, me metaphorically. Um, <laughs> metaphorically, that's important. <laughs> because there's something there that you can't see that's going to catch you. And where you land is where you're supposed to be um and i'm kind of still undecided on how i feel about some of these things literally um and things in turn yeah and intellectually and in terms of uh you know the energies that you project and can sense in others and interpersonal interactions that are you know just communicated on an energetic level i'm kind of I don't know. I'm still, jury's still out on that, but at the very least, it's been beneficial to me to think about, treat these things right. as though they're literal, and if nothing else, they're really healthy, beneficial visualizations or yeah. metaphors for life, and I've kind of been taking them for that at least um and it's helped me also to be able to communicate both 
my own experiences uh like it's given me language to communicate like both positive and negative past experiences and also to better connect with people who are also going through things so um for me it's been a really powerful component of this journey like the mystical part um i i went from not being able to meditate at all because being in my own head um and just and trying to be that that outside observer that that like observant awareness um would slowly drive me towards a panic and i would have to pull the plug on it me too just think about like tangible things um and after my second like after my second experience i suddenly was able to and started seeking it out and put in a kind of regular meditation practice into my life yeah um and that's kind of continued to improve my well-being um for a long time i was like afraid of the things that i would think about myself if i left myself to my own thoughts and one of the most profound effects that this uh the the medicine and these breathwork ceremonies has had on my life is it's really quieted the inside of my head. I don't feel the need to like distract my thoughts all the time. And since starting to take psychedelics, I have really found myself in uh, trance and house music because I can just put that on and let my brain think what it needs to think while I'm gaming. And I I feel so much more at peace. Um, It's had such a profound effect on my life. yeah, I don't know. I just thought that that was worth talking about, even if for only a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, very well said from both of you. I mean, that's exactly what I've felt is this inherent sense of security and safety and just arms of love, like entirely. And when you come back, what the saddest part about it is when you're in the moment, I mean, it's it's realer than real. I mean, it's right. just like everything you've experienced in sober reality is just a joke in comparison. And then you come back and you're like, I'm a drug addict (laughs) because (laughs) like, why can't I even remember, you know, even a fraction of what I just experienced and felt. It's just, it's so depressing in a sense. It's like, why can't this map up intellectually, you know, scientifically in any sense, it's just, it, it's a different dimension um but it's helped me as well to just understand like i don't know some sometimes i think you know the universe itself the only way the universe can be the way it is is to be forever a mystery i feel like i feel like the sense of absolute mystery that can never be fully solved is what makes life like so beautiful because nobody knows the answer. Nobody knows everything and we're lo- we're all lost. And I feel like that can help us as like humanity in general to just come together and realize that we're all lost. And if there, if somebody did figure it out, you know, it wouldn't be the same. This would, this would be over. Like, you know, this yeah. whole play, <laughs> I just think we're all in like a big play that, you know, in the end, I think everything's love and happiness, but again, there's no way to prove it. It is like my hope that over the next couple of years, research on this continues and it becomes less stigmatized and more mainstream 
because I think that so many people could benefit from having their consciousness expanded like this in a controlled environment. Um, I, I think we could process so much trauma and I don't know, make I think the world would be a better place. Um, and I don't know, I guess that's not something that I, I, I say lightly, but um, it, it has truly made my life better. And I, I, I wish that experience for other people. Yeah. No, I think that's beautifully said. Yeah. It's, it really helps as well just to see like others as yourself in a way. It's like everyone's a reflection. Everyone's, you know, it's like this universal love that we can feel like everybody matters. And if you were to just see everybody as not all their defects, but see them as like a person that was born, went through a bunch of shit (laughs) and you can see them for what their inherent value is. It's just, it's yeah. I, I think over time we'll see psychedelics have a lot more usage and especially in like safer settings and then understanding the brain just in general yeah really help yeah yeah i agree i agree i think i think we're heading in the right direction i think um some of these therapies have been granted breakthrough status even in the united states um it's totally decriminalized in in canada and in the states they're like breakthrough status for clinical trials is like more uh more effective than the current clinical treatment for that particular disorder and i I believe it's the trial on post-traumatic stress disorder um, cause it's, it's having a very profound effect on the lives of veterans in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. And like, I don't know if it's helping veterans, that's the kind of thing the government's going to get behind. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see a change fast. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to just the future in general. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And there's so many just huge changes happening in technology and everything. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. This was a wonderful experience and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to to speak. I hope that, um, I don't know, I hope your audience enjoyed it and uh, yeah, you can find me in Precision if you need me. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, guys. So as I said earlier in the cast, down below in the description, we're going to have a bunch of links down there for the, you know, broad... uh, CA Discord, J Razor server, I think is what we wanted. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you have a Twitter, right? I do. I barely use it. I will okay. uh, send you the link to it. I can promise that I will look at it more often after this cast. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, I'll have it down there. Guys, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to support the cast, down in the description as well, there is a Patreon link. And next week is not planned entirely yet i'm still up in the air with a couple guests but uh yeah hopefully you guys enjoyed this spontaneous cast it was absolutely no warning to anybody about it so uh i loved it thank you porygon once once again yeah thank you so much for your time um have a wonderful evening all right guys peace Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.